0: Welcome back to Hot Takes Only, folks. This is episode 31. Every time we record an episode, Willie, without failure, there is something big that happens like the day it drops. So, like, we're one day behind every single time. Uh, we'll get to it uh, at the start of the show when we what what the big news is uh, in baseball. If you're paying, if you've been paying attention to baseball, you know. Uh, but first and foremost, Willie, how are you? How we doing?
1: Oh, we're doing doing great, bro. I can tell you I'm very excited for the the
0: Super Bowl. Yeah, we got a big weekend. Liverpool, Man City in the morning. Waste Management Phoenix Open in the mid afternoon, uh, mid to late afternoon, and then the Super Bowl at uh, three. What is it? Three o'clock Pacific time. Whatever it is. Uh, 3:30. So three thirty Pacific time. So big, big Sunday. Um, not a whole lot, I think, on on Saturday. Not as much, anyways. But uh, so those three things that we're we're keeping an eye on. But speaking of things we're we're watching, uh, <laughs> what just happened in baseball? Probably the most confusing trade, at least I can recall, as far as. No one saw it coming. No one saw who was going to get traded coming. No one saw this, the details of the trade. Like, it's mind-boggling. So, for yeah. those who aren't familiar with baseball, Nolan Arnado, the Rockies third baseman, one of the premier third basemen, not just in baseball right now, but in his generation, period. I mean, he's he's up there with the, the top defensive yeah. third baseman of his generation, and he's no slouch at the yeah. plate either. He's a consistent... Uh, Consistent MVP candidate just by the numbers themselves. Yeah. So.
1: he um, And in fact, uh, I think there was the stat uh, since 2014, which was the second year in the MLB. I think he's fourth in, in war
2: yep. total. Yep.
1: And, or no, third. And I think four, fourth is Goldschmidt. Only behind the uh, Betts and Trout.
0: Yep. So he is no slouch. He is the face of their franchise, uh, or at least was the face of their franchise. Uh, And now he's a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. The Rockies sent fifty million dollars of Arenado's contract plus Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals for three prospects. Now, obviously, they're not you know prospects that are going to blow you away. They're they're from the Cardinals organization, and the Cardinals have a habit of developing really good players. So if they turn out to be good good big leaguers, I won't be surprised. But it's one of those things that it's like Arenado just signed a massive extension. I believe it was yeah. last off season, and now he plays for the Cardinals on the on the at the hot corner at opposite Paul Goldschmidt, who, like we talked about, is the guy right behind him in WAR since he came into the league. Which it, it's just mind boggling this this trade, the timing, the the people, the details, all of it. It's it's mind boggling.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it isn't. It isn't right. Um, look, the Rockies were in no position to compete. Um, you know, they by no means were they in a position to compete. You know, they they had their a couple chances. You know, they in 2017 and 2018. And so, from that standpoint, you know, you you think that they're going to move now. Maybe the hall you, you expect for a player like that. Maybe you'd expect uh, a big hall. You know, rather than mm. more just kind of a salary dump, but um, you did figure. I mean, look, there's a lot of chat talk about Arenado, and I'm sure Trevor Story will get moved this season probably yeah.
0: too. Yeah, so, I think wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see that old Rockies core get moved around uh, yeah. and and disbanded, which is kind of a shame because this this, this core that they had reminded me of the '07 teams with um, sure. Todd Helton, Matt Holliday. Uh, and a few other guys who were part of that, part of those really good teams. Oh, I think yeah. Seth Smith was a big part of that team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh The team that went to the World Series in in '07. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it, it means the Cardinals are are not going to be a team you can sleep on anymore because they had, a, you know, obviously by their standards a down 2020 season. But you know, given a full spring training and an opportunity for guys like Jack Flaherty to get back to his best. Yeah. I don't think there's any reason why they're not going to be in the conversation for teams that can take down the Dodgers right there with the Padres. I mean, yes, Arnauto's one player, but he's one mm-hmm. of the best players in baseball. Period. It does yeah. it, Coors Field be damned. It doesn't. You, you only play 81 games a year at home. You play the other 81 on the road, sure. and so people yeah. like to talk about the the home and away splits. Even if you disproportionately figure, you know, maybe a 60 40 ratio of of uh, stats accumulated. Uh, at home versus on the road. That's still a very, very good player. He's still an all-star. It doesn't matter where he plays.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. He's a tremendous player. I, I, for sure. I, I think that for the... You're absolutely right, right? The You know, his number... He's not the kind of big home run basher that's going to get the fly ball hitter that's going to get the course field bounce, you know, in, in his stats. But I will say that... and. Um maybe this was part of the Rockies calculus. I look you gotta you know, people in sports front offices are really smart and Arenado, I mean, he really he, he didn't have a good year at the plate, albeit the shortened season. And neither did some guys around the league, but you know, he's had some injury problems and I mean maybe there's a chance that his that's his permanent production and obviously his defense is you know, always going to be, the, he'll be the best third baseman and he'll make a great defensive team even better. But there is a chance that maybe they saw, like, look like, we we saw some signs at the plate where we don't think he's the same guy. Mm. There's, And maybe the Cardinals are in for a rude awakening there. You know, if you just, obviously he's been a tremendous hitter, but 2020 was not a good year at all. So maybe, yeah. you know, small sample size, but you never know.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think with a guy like Arenado, though, you you know what you're going to get at the plate. I mean, you think of guys like Miguel Cabrera, he had a skill set that it you know, the older you get and, and the more injuries you kind of accumulate as you know, it's just the course of playing 162 games a year and sometimes 182, depending on how many games you play in October. It's just one of those things that you can still get moved around a little bit defensively, at least, you know, this is from the defensive side. And still be productive. Uh, You don't have to have a huge range to play to play third. It helps to have a a third baseman with a huge range, but with with he has such a good arm that that's not just going to go away overnight. The older he gets, it'll it'll get worse. But yeah, his arm is ridiculous. His
1: arm is ridiculous. I mean, it is ridiculous. The the
0: metrics, the DRS metrics, and everything about the about Arenado statistically screams. He's going to be one of the best defensive third basemen throughout his entire career. Uh, if they move him to first base at some point in his career, I wouldn't be surprised because it's a not a similar skill set, but it's it's one you can pick up pretty easily if if you have experience playing the other corner. Um, at yeah. least if you if going to third to first is easier than going to first to third, we'll put it that way. We'll, we'll leave it at that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I guess the question, right, is like I said, the question is like I said, which. Arenado, are you going to get, like you said, look, his arm and his glove, the way he, I mean, the plays he makes where he's running forward or just the fancy stuff with his glove, like, that's not going away. No. But the question is, are we going to see, like, elite Arenado at the plate where he's a, a big power hitter who, you know, does not strike out and, and you know, is a dangerous hitter all the time? Or are we going to see a, a guy that hits around the Mendoza one? Yeah. That, I mean, that's... The,
2: question
0: i think mendoza line would be harsh uh not completely unfounded because we've seen well, we've seen elite players do that fall literally fall all the way from you know all-star caliber I mean, mvp caliber last,
1: last season he hit, he hit 253 and he had a 303 on base percentage
0: yeah i mean last year was was weird for different reasons uh you know yeah it's, it's true. last year you you can't throw it out but you have to look at it as okay what were the circumstances surrounding the year Uh, what is the player's body of work relative to that? Because this could be a blip on the radar or it could be a sign of a trend. We don't know. I I, I don't think he's even, he he hasn't turned 30 yet, has he? He's still, I think, uh, 28 or 29. Maybe he's 30. Uh,
1: Probably probably not.
0: But the point is, he's going to provide maybe not as much as the Rockies are paying him, which is some astronomical number. um, Not on an AAV basis, but just in terms of total money. But yeah. And, and, He's still going to produce, we'll put it that way.
1: And for sure. No, no, for sure. I mean, but that's, like you said, that's, these guys in the front office are smart, right? So the thing is, look, it's their job to figure out whether it's a trend or not. You know, yeah. they, they have to, that's a job, right? You have to project, like, baseball is uneven, right? So you, this stuff is never as simple as it seems. Their job is to project. Maybe they see a trend, or maybe it's just a salary dump. That yeah. could also be the case and didn't have anything to do with their not on themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can yeah. think of one salary dump that happened last offseason before the 2020 season right. involving uh, a particular, particular set of players yeah. that went from the Northeast to the, uh, the Southern California region, but we don't need to talk about those players a whole lot. Right. Uh, it's Mookie Betts and David Price going to the Dodgers. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about Trevor Bauer.
1: Wait, 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 real quick. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, course, yeah, go ahead. I was saying uh, you know something else, but
2: no. I think um, when you when you look back I think
1: it's really sad. I mean, I feel like, you know, as a baseball fan, when you look back at, like, some of these players and you think about, like, icons of a friend. Now, I will say this before I say this. Like, Nolan Arenado, he played, I think, eight seasons in Colorado. And there's a whole back half of his career. So he could very well end up playing, I mean, Basically the same number of years as you did somewhere else. But I will just say it's a shame when you see these great baseball icons of a franchise like never get their chance. Really, I mean, you know, you think of Mike Trout one playoff wild card game, and you mm. think of Arenado four playoff games. You know, and all that talented young core. And it's a shame a couple franchises had these special players and they've wasted them. Yeah. And it goes to show. I think from a from a roster standpoint, it goes to show that in the MLB, top heavy rosters never work. You know, right. like Arenado had a huge contract, but you can't win in the MLB like that. You need you need good a, a really good farm system to develop players and and kind of to fill out your roster. You know, through the whole team, and they never did that. Yeah. And they never could put a competent pitching staff at all. Never no. any I mean even any with semblance of any good pitcher. Right. Even,
0: even when you factor in the whole course field factor, they they never really had that that dominant pitching staff. I think Kyle Freeland two seasons ago showed flashes of it. He's
2: okay. Yeah. Uh, he, was he had okay. stretches
0: of it, but then I think the, the twenty nineteen season he was abysmal. Uh and his, his ERA was in the sevens, I think, and then before they, they sent him down for a little bit. Um but yeah, yeah no, you're totally right. I, I think there's a there's a lot of Uh, A lot of gray area with this trade, for sure, particularly in the future. You know, our our objective with this podcast is is at some points to look into the future, look into the crystal ball of sports fandom and try to figure out what's the most effective thing for for parties in this trade. But at the end of the day, I think we have a situation where the Cardinals are. They are betting on what this guy is right now, Um, and I just looked Mm -hmm. it up, he's. The contract is eight years two hundred sixty million signed before the twenty nineteen season, so this number. is the third year of that third year of that contract, but last year I think we had pro rated salaries so yeah. it's it's a little bit adjusted there's probably some deferred money from last mm-hmm. season, but that's you know for the uh for the front office people to to figure out um and the Rockies sent fifty million to the Cardinals to absorb that, so you think, okay, there's what five years left in the contract, and you know give or take a hundred and eighty million left on it um yeah. that's it's a pretty it's a pretty hefty salary to take on but you know i think they they like what they see enough to to be like this is the guy who's going to help us you know get back to back to the world series sure. and i i wouldn't be surprised if if the cardinals made another run in the in in the postseason we got to see Arnato at his best on the big stage mm. um yeah. but you never know if, if you're if you're actually going to see that and that's that's the thing that is not necessarily concerning but it's something to keep an eye on for sure I
1: think, I, well, I think, you know, the thing in baseball is really of many of these American team sports, it's really the sport where if you get in, you have a chance, and you're right, we may never see that, but definitely they're clear AL, uh, NL Central favor. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll get their shot in the divisional round, probably, against, you know, one of those two NL West teams, or mm-hmm. the team who's going to win the World Series, the Braves.
0: Yep. Yep. So. <laughs> That, that hurts me every time and this reminds me because i haven't recorded an episode of the peach pit stay tuned for that folks um yeah. but well i think it was like three episodes ago or two episodes ago you said atlanta was going to win the world series in I 2021 and mm-hmm. i i cannot wait until the braves choke in the playoffs or even don't make the playoffs to just be like willie i have the receipts never bet on an atlanta sports team ever that's just it's just smart betting. I can
1: bet on it, Owen. I have nothing to lose. <laughs> no, I have no investment in I mean,
0: between. other than your money.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's yeah.
0: fair. Uh, anyways.
1: Um, wait, wait, let me just mention, Um, sorry, I got to mention one thing I think it's really important to mention about Arenado. Yeah. And, uh, and this is the thing, I think, where, you know, you talk like I was talking about with top-heavy rosters and, mm. like, not having a farm system, I mean, maybe not making a trade if you really want. But if you think about the the 2017 team team that got swept by the Brewers in the first round, that team owned Mark Reynolds, Mayhew, Trevor Story, Arenado, Charlie Blackman, Carlos Gonzalez, Gerardo Parra. That lineup is awesome. Yeah, it Holy was smokes. it was a
0: really good team, and they just happened to run into team. was it 2017 yeah. against the Brewers.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. They they, they just happen to run into, uh, yeah. That that, that, that team. Was a
1: really good team, but I mean, you got to take your chances. That team to me was definitely worthy of the NLCS, but then again, their pitching staff stunk. Yeah,
0: so, you know exactly. And and what is the old saying? Defense wins championships in baseball. The equivalent of defense, pitching, and and yeah. actual you know actual fielding and and defense as it is, but pitching is kind of the one thing that starts all that. Yeah. Sure. So. A lot lot to think about if you're a Cardinals fan, you got a lot of reasons to be excited. You're getting a a perennial MVP candidate and yes, it's big money. And towards the end of his, his contract, uh, it could be a concern, but you're not dealing with that. You're dealing with right now. And right now it's, it's exciting if you're a Cardinals fan. Uh, It's also, it's also exciting if you're a Mets fan because the Mets have been so aggressive uh, since Steve Cohen took over and, and for good reason, obviously. Uh, But they are, at least if a lot of reports are to be believed, the favorites to land Trevor Bauer. So the recent offer to Bauer uh, that's been rumored uh, in, you know, among the, the baseball journalists uh, out there is uh, three years in the neighborhood of $100 million. So it's just short of the um, of the 36 million a year Garrett Cole is getting with the Yankees. Yeah. But I honestly think he's he's going to go to the Mets. I think I I think it's it's not a question of who blinks first between uh, Steve Cohen and, you know, Bauer and his agent. It's more so just Steve Cohen's going to do whatever it takes to get the Mets a world championship. And he when he took over, he said he promised one within five years. Um, I I think he wants one a lot sooner than that internally. I think he I think they're gunning for if not this season, then next season, because if they get Bauer, you think of the pitching staff they'll have with. Oh, my God. Carlos Carrasco. (laughs) and Jacob deGrom Noah Syndergaard and Trevor Bauer yeah it's 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 absurd it's it's just Mm -hmm. a stupid pitching staff and as a Braves fan that just drives me insane because the Braves haven't done anything of note this offseason besides what Drew Smiley and Charlie Morton which are basically flyers on two different players instead of going out and being aggressive in the market and getting, you know, a top of the line starter or trading for someone who you know is reliable rather than someone you think can be reliable. But at Atlanta sports rent, not, not today folks, not today. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I
2: would say, go ahead. Go no, ahead, I just think, I, I think he's going to the Mets. I mean,
1: if like you said, Owen, if you believe all the reports are true, like they say in the morning, well hug, He's already agreed to the deal and they're going to announce it. Right. Yeah. So, um, so what do you think this means potentially for the Mets uh, World Series? Oops.
0: Well, they have, to be, they have to be NLE's favorites for sure. That's, that's not really a question. I think the Braves are still in the conversation, but yeah. the Mets, I think, would take that edge just on the strength of their pitching staff alone, and then you add Lindor into the picture, and it's a whole other story. Um, yeah, I think they have, to be, they have to be co-favorites with the Dodgers. I honestly do. The, the pieces... Easy. If they get Bauer, look, you think of the pieces they have in the rotation... And the pieces they have at the at the at the dish, and you have Steve Cohen's willingness to just go out there and spend big. We could realistically, if the Mets are in first place at the deadline, we could realistically see them going out and getting another big name player at the deadline. I mean, I, I don't think there's any there's any time to be wasted by Steve Cohen right now. If if this is any indication. Sure. Now that uh, that said, you know, Bauer is 30. Um mm-hmm. so you know there's there's this old thing about not paying pitchers above the age of 30 a certain a certain uh rate because they lose they lose velocity, they lose uh spin on their on their pitches um i, I don't know there's something there's something that front offices hate about signing players over the age of 30 i think it's a moneyball thing but the point is they're they're thinking about winning not 5 years from now they're thinking about winning today
2: sure um oh
1: and i Firmly disagree, to be perfectly honest. Firmly disagree.
0: Really? Who would you... Where would you have them?
1: There's some pieces away, in my opinion. I mean, we... You know, when you factor in, you know, Stroman and all the other starters mm. they have...
0: Yeah, Marcus I mean, Stroman. There's one I forgot to mention.
1: <laughs> so, yes, there's no question, you know, their starting rotation is ridiculous. Um, but first of all, I, I know... First of all, I would say that... Um, you know, recently, with the way things have been going, they rear the scripts. but first of all, their bullpen still needs a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and I would say that they did hit well last season. Mm-hmm. For the most part, this is still not a overly impressive lineup either. So I, I think, yes, NLE's favorites for sure. To me, still definitely a notch below the Braves, Padres, and, and Dodgers for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, this this all hinges on them getting Bauer because if they if they get Bauer, they have five guys who could realistically compete for a Cy Young. And yeah. I don't I don't know if even the Dodgers don't have that kind of depth in their rotation. I mean, yes, you have Clayton Kershaw, who's the best of his generation and Walker Buehler, who's like a mini Justin Verlander. Uh or I guess the second coming of Justin Verlander. But realistically, you know, Bauer changes the dynamic of that team so much so that I think it makes Steve Cohen go, let's go out and, and make him eat, make, make this team even better. I, I don't think they're done. Even if they do get power, they won't be done. They're gonna keep moving players around on. and going after help.
1: Owen, okay. Here's the thing, okay? And I I I agree with you on I really think we have to honestly and I, I know I don't want to sound like hypocrite, but I really think we have to toss out the side. But you know, I'm telling you on I mean Really, over this Mets run, they have not been able to put together a competent lineup at all. And I just, I look at their roster, and I just don't, I still don't see it. I mean, yeah, you added Lindor. Lindor can really hit. But, I mean, no one else on that team impresses me that much. I mean, Alonzo can hit bombs. I mean, you know, Nemo, Conforto, McNeil, Dom Smith, J.D. Davis, that's okay. I mean, that's not a Dodgers lineup. Not an Atlanta lineup. Even well, if that was, that's not a Padres lineup. I would add.
0: That's I would Cardinals lineup. I would counter and say the Dodgers aren't as deep offensively as you think. They're not from a sheer production standpoint. As far as getting on base and and doing what the Dodgers love to do, they yeah. they have the right players for it. But when you think of the guys who really contributed in October, it wasn't Cody Bellinger every single game. It wasn't Mookie Betts yeah. every single game. It was guys like Will Smith. Uh, yeah. what, what is this his sure. second year in the league third year in the league uh Quique hernandez yeah. who's been a super utility player his whole career with the dodgers yeah. so yeah. you know realistically it, you don't need to have a quote-unquote stacked lineup to be considered yeah. you know in well, that conversation i mean look at look at the phillies the phillies were consensus yeah. one of the best teams in baseball Um, just from an offensive standpoint, when you, when they added Bryce Harper and they got JT Romuto and they got Andrew McCutcheon and they, it looked for the world, like they were going to be the best, best team in baseball. But what happened? They, they couldn't, they couldn't pitch and the Mets are the inverse of that. And I think you have to start from the pitching side. And if you can build that, the rest of it will follow because if, if you think about it from a, and I I know we like to talk about this a lot. And again, I I do want to get a sports psychologist on the show. If you think about it psycho- psychologically, you got a guy out there in Jacob deGrom and Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, say Trevor Bauer for argument's sake, who goes out there and throws seven, seven innings of shut, uh, shutout. Seven shutout innings. As, as a hitter, you're thinking, we, we probably don't need a lot to win this game. We just need one guy to get on base. It takes pressure yeah. off of the offense. So you, you play the game backwards. And that's, that's the thing that, that makes, to me the Mets potentially getting Bauer something that thrusts them in the conversation. It doesn't firmly say it's Mets Dodgers in the, in the NLCS it's do not be surprised. I said in 2015, when they made that run, don't be surprised. They made the world series. They made the world series again, 2021. If they get Bauer, don't be surprised. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that baseball just has a funny way of, of gravitating towards uh, the, the odds and the odds say, go get the best pitchers out there. No,
1: it's, it's, I think what you say is a great point and you're absolutely right on. I mean, that those, that team is probably thinking we just need to scratch a few runs across the board because our our pitching staff can hold them. And so, yeah, when you, they would certainly feel confident when they reach the postseason. by, by that definition. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, On the flip side of this, I do want to mention really quickly though. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish. Uh the other team that's a favorite for Trevor Bauer is the Dodgers. If the Dodgers get Trevor Bauer, we might as well just not even play this year. There's no there's no point. Is just yeah. stop the fight. Stop it now. It's it's over. Uh, it's over. It's, it's yeah. no, no, don't even don't even play.
2: I mean uh,
1: I mean yeah, yeah, that would be ridiculous, but it's 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 hard to win multiple in a row.
0: Yeah. I mean, you and, know, uh, you play the game on – You you play the game uh, on the field, not on paper, but still. Yeah, I, I
1: mean... <laughs>
0: if they get Bauer, they have they, they have Bauer. to be consensus picked to go back-to-back back like Jordan 96, 97. Whoa. Sure.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: A little, little Drake reference in there. Uh, I, was, I, I need to stop. <laughs> um, sorry. You you had a thought that you want to get to before I, I cut you off. That's my bad. What'd you have? No, no,
1: no. You're, you're good, bro.
2: Uh,
1: no, no. I was just going to say that I think You know, Trevor Bauer, a a really important point is um, he's got lots of successful postseason experience,
2: too. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep.
1: And so if you're one of these teams that's gunning for him, using him in the playoffs, you can definitely trust him when it comes to the
2: postseason as well.
0: Yep. Yep. He has has World Series experience. He has postseason experience. Yep. I I would not be surprised if uh, whoever gets Bauer ends up going to going to the fall <laughs> classic. Just, it, it, yeah. it, it almost a no brainer, but not, not quite. Um, a couple sure. other moves. Sorry. Any, any last thoughts on Bauer before we get nope. to, uh, the other deals, nope. uh, very quickly, a few other deals we want to highlight that I think are interesting. Uh, the angels just today went and, uh, traded for Dexter Fowler. I think that's quietly a really good move. Dexter Fowler's yeah. won a world series. He's, he's yeah. been around a while. Good defensive, uh, good defensive outfielder
1: Definitely
0: at the plate. Not as much as he, he would have provided in say 2016, 2017, but I think it's still a good move. You know, he's he's one of regarded as one of the good you know quote unquote clubhouse guys, and yeah. on a team that has you know the consensus best player in baseball, that's that's always a good thing.
2: Yeah, I
1: he's a good player. St. Louis will miss him for sure. Yeah. Um, that being said, in some ways, I don't quite understand it. I do. Hmm. I, I, you can never have too many clubhouse around, but at the same time, I mean, this Angels team needs to show some direction. And so yeah. if it's not a really good player, then some, you know, good prospects or something. Like some young like get get someone that you know, Dexter Fowler at this point in his career, I don't think he's really gonna help you that much on the field. I think right. he'll help more, you know, in the clubhouse.
0: Yeah, and, and one of the reasons I, I wanted to include him, you know, when we were when Willie and I were having our little you know production meeting. I wanted <laughs> to include him because it, at first it struck me as, okay, they don't, they don't need another outfielder. They need pitching. They've always, they've needed pitching since Mike Trout's been on the team.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's, that's been the better part of the last decade.
2: Yeah.
0: And all of a sudden they go and get Dexter Fowler. But then yeah. the more you think about it, the more you think, okay, he was part of that 2016 team with, with, uh, with the Cubs. He was part of those good Cardinals teams in 2017, 2018. Yeah. In uh, 2019 as well. Uh, You know, so it it's, there's a lot of, you know, yeah. it doesn't seem like it's something they need, but you don't always have to make moves specifically on just what you need. There, there are other things that are important that you may not necessarily say, I, I absolutely need this yeah. if, if my club is going to be successful in October. It's more so he could, he could help cultivate a, a culture that'll make it so that the team plays better, they feel better, and as a result, it'll make ownership say, let's go out and, and make this team better.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree on You're right. And he's like you said, he's been on all those really good teams. So he can maybe he can help instill winning culture in Angels and that might be, you know, the missing link. Yeah. With him and Joe Madden there to try to turn things around.
0: Yep. Definitely. I think there's there's potential in, in that move for Dexter Fowler to be quietly very important to that team. But yeah. you know, that remains to be seen.
1: Yeah. And and, you know, I mean, with the A's kind of gutting part of their team, I mean the division maybe a wild card spots. Yeah. And open, I mean, you know, so something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to think twenty twenty one is realistically Houston's last uh, the last year of their window. Uh, Correa is a free agent after the season. Springer's gone. Um, they'll yeah. have some decisions to make on uh, on Justin Verlander too.
2: Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say I
1: wouldn't go that far, but I would say because they have a lot of good players and some they do. young players. But yeah. I would say no, they maybe will drop a little bit after yeah. that for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, losing Springer is going to be big for the team, too. Uh, that said, I yeah. think, there's, like you're saying, they're still all around a really good club. Um, they showed us this year, even without without Justin Verlander, without Garrett Cole, they can still put together a really good team, make it to the yeah. ALCS, and almost make the World Series, unfortunately. But, yeah, you know, I
2: mean,
0: they... Oh, that would have sucked.
1: Yeah, they really have a good... Um, how I say this? I don't want to say a good culture, a good... uh 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 winning
0: culture yeah it's a it's a uh they're able to develop players designed to win games how they win those games of course is up for discussion astros fans don't at me on social media actually no please do i want to i'm into this beef to be to be low-key honest uh i do want to move on though before we start any start any civil wars about uh baseball Yeah, Um, nelson cruz resigning with the twins yeah so I came across a stat when I was I was reading through uh, the some of the some of the baseball rumors. So Nelson Cruz from I think his what was is it? It like his eighteen to twenty nine maybe twenty to twenty nine seasons uh, hit seventy seven home runs. So you're thinking okay nothing nothing special. From his age thirty to age forty season, he hit three hundred and forty home runs. 30. So you talk about a player. Yes, he was suspended for PEDs or he was no he was suspended wasn't he? For for oh, he PEDs. Was, no, he was. It was yeah. P- yep. So you know, there's obviously something you have to consider when you talk about Nelson Cruz, and of course those okay. uh, those couple years in Texas really you know help with the whole the whole stat padding, if you will, because uh, you know that that old ballpark was so easy to hit home runs there. It felt it felt like if if you weren't getting like five home runs a game there, it was a is boring game. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a no brainer honestly for the for the Twins because they've they've yeah. lost. They lost Eddie Rosario. Um they're you know, they're still kind of playing second fiddle to the Astros. The White Sox got better. Uh it's it's a tough one if you're if you're a Minnesota fan, but you know, this is at least you know what you're going to get from Nelson Cruz. He's going to hit like 30 bombs, drive in close to 100, and you know, he's not going to give you anything defensively, but that he you don't sign him for the glove, you sign well, him for the bat.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: quite you know what Alan, I it's definitely no brainer. I mean, you think the American league, you know, with Tampa and uh, Oakland kind of stepping back, Mm. it's a little bit wide open. And, uh, you know, I actually think quietly that had a really good off season, you know, Mm. you get Colin May, which we're going to talk about. They got in Simmons. That's another one that's kind of under radar, you know? And, uh, and so, and now Cruz, I mean, they did lose Rosario, but, um, yeah, I think they've, they, they, they're, they're, I would say close, but they can win a playoff series. Yep. And so I will say that, you know, it definitely makes them, I think they've gotten marginally better this offseason.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's, you always knew Chicago was going to get better. Um, yeah. The, the whole managerial decision, as we talked about a couple a couple uh, episodes ago, was a little, seems a little strange, but we'll see how, you know. He, if, La Russa hasn't managed a single game yet. Spring training yeah. hasn't started. It's still early February, so you do only know for sure, but still.
1: Sure. You know, Owen, if, um, I'll tell you what, Owen. The New York Yankees are a joke if they don't win the American League this year.
2: Yeah, like, agreed. They
1: have absolutely agreed. no excuse to not win the American League this season. Yep. Like, none. They have no excuse.
0: Well, you think a club with their resources, it would always be a joke for them to not win the World Series every year, but, you know, it's... it's Start spreading I the news, I guess.
1: Remember when I, I, I remember the podcast? I, I said I didn't think the Yankees would win a World Series in our lifetime again.
0: Yeah, that was that was a bold take. And if they well, win in twenty twenty one, we're gonna go back and 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 show sure. you the receipts. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, well, I I don't, I don't know if we'd actually. We might. Who knows?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, sure. Colton Wong going to the Brewers. Uh, yeah. I I like it. Um, you know, he's staying in the division, so he he knows. What four of the other teams uh pretty well, yeah, um you know he's just an all around solid player, I think it's a it's a it's a good pick for the a big, good pickup for the brewers um no real i guess complaints on my end, but it's just quietly very solid
1: yeah, absolutely, very solid player, didn't seem well uh you know they i think you know the Brewers were another team that this you know um sixty game season they got off to a really slow start. Yeah. I think that that team is definitely playoff worthy. So, potentially. And so, yeah, I think this was a really good move and they'll be competing for a wild card spot.
0: Yep. No, I agree. No I, no reason I, to think I, they I won't.
1: I got to say that. What were your take on the expanded playoffs? Let me ask you that.
0: Honestly, for a shortened season, I like it, but I don't like it for um I don't like it for uh, you know, a quote-unquote regular season. Regular So you don't, you,
1: you uh you're happy it's gone.
0: Yeah, no, I I prefer the the system as it was because it doesn't dilute the playoff field as much. You don't have a chance of a team with a close to a five hundred or a losing record making the playoffs like in the NBA or the NFL. Okay. Uh, that's the thing that separates baseball to me is is over the course of one hundred and sixty two games, ball yeah. don't lie. And so if you are a good team, you're gonna you're gonna make the postseason more likely than not. Um, as opposed to the NFL, where it's kind of Kind of a toss up. To, I mean, football's weird, uh, and then and in the NBA you can have like a, a sub five hundred record and still make the playoffs and still make the finals. Like it's it's stupid. Yeah. It's, I, so I, that's I, that's my little my little beef with the NBA. We're not going to talk about that yet. Maybe after the All Star break, we'll talk a little more NBA. Um, but yeah, I you know it's. I like the format as it usually is. Um, but for a shortened season, you know, with only 60 games, I like the idea of it just being a sprint to the finish. I I just love that. That whole, like the 60 games did not feel like a slog. It felt like a, a race, like a 400 meter where you're not sprinting the whole time, but you are running the whole time. And it's, you know, you know, running at a, at a running fast, if you will. um, I don't know. I yeah. was never slow, so I'd, I never did track. But y- you know what I'm yeah. getting at.
1: I do, I do, for sure. Uh,
0: a couple other deals: uh, Felix Hernandez signing with the Orioles on a minor league deal. Um, yeah, it's it's just a flyer, but it's it's Felix Hernandez. You you have to kind of mention him in in these Absolutely. situations. Uh, he did opt out of 2020. Uh, he did sign with Atlanta, but opted out because of uh, the pandemic, obviously. So quietly, you know, it's it's a flyer. It's nothing more than that, really. If he pans out, great. If he doesn't, you know, oh, well.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. And, uh, I mean, look, he's still, I, I, I honestly believe that players that were that good always are talented enough to figure out how to extend their careers in some way. So you'd figure, you know, there's a chance that he, you know, can really, can really, you know, do something well.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we talk for, about for pitchers pitching. who, at least, Power pitchers, sorry, who, uh, who learn how to be finesse pitchers the older they get. Mm-hmm. And when they start to lose that, that fastball, they, uh, at least the velocity on it, they, they learn to command it better and they learn to, to do different things with it, to change the hitter's eye level more often, to um, use it as a waste pitch more often, to, to waste pitches more uh, than they may have otherwise. Uh, you, you know, you, you yeah. never know. That's the interesting thing with with pitchers, and specifically power pitchers. Which you know, at the height of his career, he was definitely in that category.
1: Yeah. I, oh, oh, he his stuff was electric, man. Yeah. He could get anyone. To Some pitch. of the,
0: I mean, <laughs> uh, prime of his career, I think. I, I there very few pitchers had better pure stuff than him when when he was at his best, and I'm sure Reese, my roommate, uh, from who's a big Mariners fan, would uh, certainly agree with that.
1: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, the last one absolutely. we want to talk about before we talk about uh, the big game on Sunday, uh, Alex Colomay uh, signing with the Twins uh, for one year uh, with a club option for a second year. So Colomay used to be the closer for the Rays. Um, he was with Chicago last year, pitched really well for Chicago. Uh, it's something the Twins need. It's a good pickup. They got an option for a second year. It's, I think, only a $5 million deal. So yeah. it's, you know, it's a, it's a short deal. For a reliever, I know, Will, you have your thoughts on certain certain players that only pitch, you know, an inning or two in a game. I do. But I, yeah, I like it.
1: I, I do, Owen. Uh, <laughs> I've mentioned that I'm not fond of closers. They're not great pitchers. And, I, you know, I was using the analogy of they're like, um, you could say they're like, you know, empty calorie players in basketball where they put up a lot of numbers and they're not that good or, you know. European soccer recycled managers. It's like you you know that A, they're not great, they're kinda of replacement level pitchers. And B a lot of times when you have great years, like Colin a had a fantastic like year. Like he's probably gonna come to the mean a little bit. So I mean it definitely helps the twins. It's an improvement over who they had closing, but I'm not expecting anything great and nor should they pay that much for him. I, I gotta be honest. I'll, I'll even say that I quit closures to kicker. That's how I look at Ouch. it. Ouch. <laughs> I, I do, but kickers like it. Yes. Are there good kickers? But unless you have Justin Tucker, you might as well, you're not going to pay for him.
0: Yeah. Or Adam Vinatieri really in his, same. in his prime. Adam Vinatieri.
1: Yeah. At, oh, Big sure. Name. Adam Vinatieri, Mike Vanderjack. Yep. Um,
0: yep. um What's his name? The um oh god the the longtime kicker for the Raiders. Um, oh, what what was his name? The, Janikowski. Yes, yes, Janikowski. <laughs> yep. Uh, dude, dude, was in the league for forever. I remember, I remember, like watching him when I was in what was it middle school? What whatever it was, dude goes back forever. But yeah, um, I have a different stance on on relievers, obviously, because I I used to be a pitcher, you know, before my all too short baseball career was, you know, cut rightly so very short. Um, it's, it's an important part of the game just because in, in baseball, it's, it's so specialized where, you know, obviously before this year in the three batter minimum, you got into situations where late in a game, especially in October, you needed to really slam the door (laughs) slam. You really needed to slam the door on the opposition and the best way yeah. to do that is to get a closer with power stuff, throwing well into the hundreds—hundred two, hundred three, maybe. Um, those aren't; those are obviously really rare. But that's the kind of thought process that goes into it, of course. And to have you know relievers that aren't that is still important because you know you can't expect a starting pitcher to throw 150, 150 pitches every game. And I, I don't think that really happens anymore with with the way uh, pitchers are managed. But going back yep. to it. I, I like this deal just because it's it's a short deal. It's not a ton of money. And there's a club option. It's not a player option. So the club gets to decide after the season, well, we like what you did for us this year. Uh here's here's another year. Uh here's here's some more money. It's you know, it's the it's something that they get to control a lot more than the player does. Now, obviously, you know, players and agency and all that we'll talk about at some other point. But to me, it's it's a very smart deal. Um, and it's exactly what the twins need. We've talked about the difference between needs and wants so far on the show, but this is, was a need for Minnesota and they got someone who's going to fit that need very nicely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I completely agree with what you said. Completely agree.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of action in baseball for a, uh, for an off season. And, And I'm for one happy that, uh, that we've had so much activity so far between the trade oh, market and free amazing. agency. It's been amazing. Uh it's going to make the season a lot more fun, I think when you think about the teams that have emerged in the last, you know, season or two, uh particularly in 2020 with Chicago, uh the the White Sox that is, uh San Diego, uh New York under Steve Cohen and the uh the Cohen era if you will, just ready to spend all yeah. that money. Uh Yep. It's an exciting time for baseball. I'm not gonna lie. It's Definitely. very, very exciting. And you know, yep. baseball is my number one sport. It's it's the reason that I got so big into sports, just because I love baseball so much. And mm-hmm. it this just makes it even more fun. Even if both of my teams are disappointing.
1: Yeah. yeah. You're, you're right. It's a good time to be a baseball fan. Lots of good young players. And like you said, some really cool storylines for teams this season. You yeah. didn't mention Toronto either.
0: I don't yeah, know. Toronto as well. So there's, like, there's too many names you t- to mention all at once to think about, okay, who, who got better? Who got worse? Who's going to challenge the Dodgers? Who's, who's going to challenge the Yankees? Who's going to challenge uh, you know, the, the elite teams in baseball?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Notice Very I didn't excited. say Atlanta.
0: Atlanta's not an elite team. Don't 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 believe last year. Last year was a fluke.
1: Don't don't jinx
0: them. Okay. It's, no, I just don't believe it. it's it's Atlanta. I, I I'm still <laughs> triggered. Okay, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> um, speaking of a game that still triggers me, uh, Super Bowl Fifty Five on Sunday, three thirty p.m. Pacific time, six thirty uh, Eastern. Uh, Tom Brady.
2: Who's watch
0: what's that?
1: that's a terrible game who's gonna watch the yeah
0: game? you know it's just tom brady and pat mahomes the premier quarterback of yeah. this generation versus the premier quarterback of the last generation uh yep. i honestly don't think we could have gotten a better uh matchup as far as super bowl and and the storylines too because when when brady left new england the the thought process was always oh we're gonna find out how good he really is because you know there's no belichick and and the reason he was so good is because he was you know in a system for his whole career he had a really good offensive line and here he is in the super bowl it, it's it's mind boggling to think that one player can go to 10 super bowls and you know have an opportunity to win number 7 um you know i obviously yeah. don't like tom brady for personal reasons uh still triggered by super bowl 51 don't ask why if you don't uh-huh. know don't ask why don't make me talk about it um and on the flip side of that there's pat mahomes who's Already, I mean, what this is? This is fourth league, fourth year in the league.
1: Yeah, uh, it is or his, fifth uh, year. Third,
0: it's third. third year in the league. Or third year as a starter.
1: Third, no third year. Oh, fourth, fourth year in the league. Third
0: as a starter. Third is a starter. Fourth, fourth in the league. So
1: yeah, yeah, he sat for one year, conference championship, then Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then Super Bowl. Yep.
0: Yep. So, and you know, he's obviously the richest quarterback in the NFL richest player in the NFL uh, by just his contract. Yeah, God, it's you know we're gonna be talking about Pat Mahomes like we talked about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Um, yeah, but Mahomes has shown that you know he had a. I, I was watching the highlights last night. He had a horrible first half last year in the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, and it
0: was awful. and last year
1: he threw two interceptions mm-hmm. and the Forty uh, Nineers defense. I mean, really shut him down.
0: Yep. Yeah, but second half of the game, he he showed us why he was MVP the season before, and I yeah. don't think there's any reason to believe that he uh, he won't do he can't do something similar if that ends up being the case, or if it ends up being just a a blowout and Mahomes throws for like five touchdowns and four hundred yards. Uh, yeah, you know. Oh,
2: well, let me ask you this, Sean. Um, I think um one um I think that. So let me ask you you a question. I think that when it it comes to, like,
1: we look at players' legacies, we have to be a little careful in, like, really analyzing results versus how they play. Yeah. And so for me, so for example, you know, Mahomes did not look good. Yes, he made – they did come back, score a couple touchdowns at the end of the game. He really did not play well. It was one of the worst, I would argue, games he's had in his career if that's saying anything, against the 49ers. And and so both defenses are actually pretty good. And there's also some injuries on the O-lines. And so I think from a legacy standpoint, there's a lot difference if both guys come up, you know, throw, throw, you know, throw for 350 yards and 3-4 scores and play flawless versus, you know, you know, Mahomes having another sloppy game or Brady like last week throwing three picks and the defense is you know, play well. So I know all the talks are gonna be about the quarterbacks, but I'm so curious from a legacy standpoint to see how this game goes. Is it gonna be a true duel duel or is it gonna be a game that, you know, is a little bit lower scoring, maybe in the twenties and, you know, maybe it still comes down to the fourth quarter or something. But I'm curious about that.
0: Well yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And it's one of those things that it's it's gonna define both of their careers, not entirely, but a good chunk of, of how we look at Tom Brady's career and how we look at Pat Mahomes' career is gonna be how this game goes. Because I, I don't think I don't think we've had a Super Bowl, at least one that Tom Brady's been in, where we've talked about the quarterbacks as as kind of the focal point. I mean this is we've talked about like yes, it's Tampa Bay against Kansas City. That's the, the you know, those are the the cities. But yeah. it's Tom Brady against Pat Mahomes. That's the storyline. And I oh, don't think yeah. we've had a Super Bowl lately. I mean, I think maybe Peyton Manning and, and Cam Newton in 2016. I thought maybe yeah. that one, but that was an awful Super Bowl and Cam was terrible. He, uh, yeah, and both he, both quarterbacks were awful. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, we're we're talking about two I mean, I guess uh the year before with Seattle, Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. Maybe I mean I think Russell Wilson's gotten better since then. Yep. But I again, guess. there's you know we talk about quarterbacks a lot as, as you know, the leaders of teams and rightly so, but I think this one is like, we're talking about, you know, two of the top quarterbacks in the league period. Like Mahomes, I think, I don't think there's an argument against him being the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, And I don't think a lot of people get to argue with that. That said, Tom Brady's still in the league and people will argue, well, Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. They, they would throw, you know, obviously throw that argument out there. People would disagree. Uh, Yep. You know, there, there's there's a lot of interesting storylines, but it all revolves back to the quarterback. It always comes back to this is the guy who has six rings going for a seventh versus the guy who's going to his second Super Bowl yeah. trying to win a second ring. So, this
1: is, Owen, this is, um, I mean, like you're saying, the story rightfully so is going to be wild about the quarterbacks. And, I mean, this is, and I mean, I, I even read an article that even said it. I mean, this is... Maybe the great coming, like, this is the greatest Super Bowl matchup ever. Yeah. In terms of how you rank the storylines and stuff. Like, you could not get any better. We're probably talking about arguably not just two best quarterbacks, maybe the two best football players of all time. Yep. And one player at age 43, one player in his fourth year of the league. They surely know the GOAT status. I mean, you heard Tony Romo comes out and says Mahomes can never, like, catch Brady if he loses this game. And so, I mean, this is gonna bring out the best in both players. I, I mean, it's just, it's so fascinating. And like you said, Owen, I mean, even though, like you said, a lot of people will consider, um, you know, even though he's not going MVP, you know, he, him the best quarterback of all time. Well, Tom Brady could say, hey hey, 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 you know, hang on a second, you know, I was still a top five quarterback this year, but I'm still actually the best quarterback.
0: Yeah, it's one so, of those questions. Is you know, can you can you be the best without beating the best? Yeah, so and, yeah. that's you know, that's the focus. And I, I honestly I just hope that it's not disappointing because we built up games like this before. I mean, even two weeks ago we built up Liverpool against Man United. It was a snooze fest. Yeah. I mean, United had what two good chances? And Liverpool had like well, maybe one. Snoozer. Yeah. I mean, we, we've built up big games before and they've been disappointing. On the other hand, this is kind of, you know, this game doesn't really need all that much of a buildup to it. It's just, on paper, like, the matchup itself, you just look at who's playing, and you go, yeah, that's yeah. that's a big game.
1: I, I think, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. A lot of times, these shootout games, they always go under. Like, the scoring is never as high as you think. Yeah. But I, I think this game is going to live up to the potential. I think this is going to be an absolutely amazing game. And I have no doubt that, you know... Whatever the score is, it's going to come down to a team has the ball, their last possession with a chance to tie or the one. That, yeah. that, like that's what it's going to come down to.
0: Yeah, for my sure. my thought on this, and uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's it's a subject that that pains me very much. Um, Tom Brady's going to lead uh, the Bucks down the field, seventy-five yards, under a minute and a half uh to to win the super bowl uh and they're going to be trailing at that point it it won't be a tie game they'll be they won't they won't be able to to tie it or win it with a field goal it's going to be tom brady doing tom brady things i just i just has that feeling about it that people are talking about pat mahomes and you know tom brady's washed and you know he's he's 43 through three picks against green bay like you said but i don't know i just have a bad feeling about like we're gonna see vintage brady and i i don't like vintage brady because you know obvious reasons
1: yeah, it's, you you sure you, yeah. you
0: you can't. I I talk about this when I talk about my prediction for the Super Bowl. You cannot bet against Tom Brady. Like I tried in twenty in twenty seventeen, I tried to bet against Tom Brady. It didn't work.
1: You yeah, it is never wise. <laughs> it is never wise, no matter the circumstances, to bet against Tom Brady. In never, the playoffs. He, never. And you know he's also like the clutches, of, clutchest of clutch players as well. When when he really needs it historically in the playoffs, he always has big drives. And yep. so. You're right. You could, In the playoffs, it's never wise to bet against uh, Tom. Yeah. But if they, I mean, I'll tell you what, a lot of people are, you know, debating this, but I also believe, you know, some people say, you know, it's definitely up for debate whether this would be the greatest postseason run for a team in NFL history. But, I mean, this is definitely, It would be his biggest win. If you can be the Chiefs team, you know, arguably the best of all time. Um, you know and even if you look at you know he's beaten some really good teams in the playoffs in the past but like the Chiefs this is this would be the best team he's ever
2: beaten in
0: yeah, the playoffs. yeah totally, totally agreed I don't think there's any question when when you're talking about a a generational talent as your opponent in the Super Bowl I mean you have to be thinking like this is this is the matchup for Brady this is the one yeah. that's going to define that, that's going to really put the icing on the cake if he's able to, to win if the if the Bucks are able to win it'll put the icing on the cake as him being the greatest of all time. I, I yeah. don't think there's, there's a whole lot you can argue against that. I mean, yes, you can talk about Adam Vinatieri kicking game winners in two of those Super Bowls that Brady was part of, but I mean, that, the yep. comeback against Atlanta, I hate to bring it up again, but it, like from a neutral perspective, which I cannot be, but I'm going to try a little bit, I mean, that's incredible. It's the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. I mean, yes, it, it was against Atlanta. So it's kind of like, is, is, is it Atlanta losing or are the other team winning? But that's besides the point. And then, you know, obviously 2019, when they last won, when Brady last won a Super Bowl, it, it was kind of a snooze fest. The game wasn't great. And it's, neither team played all that well. Yeah,
1: it was a pretty bad game. But it was
0: a pretty awful it, game. You know, it, it, that one kind of lives in a bubble, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a one off because he hasn't, Brady hasn't historically been awful in the Super Bowl. I mean, I'd, I'd be no, curious to know been, what his career averages are.
1: He's been uh, very good for the most part, except for I would say that Super Bowl and his very first Super Bowl against the Rams. It wasn't a fantastic performance. Yeah. So,
0: yep. Yeah. But sure. I, I think I,
1: I do want to say also. Oh, go yeah. Ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I
0: just, I just think we're we're in for we're in for a treat, really, on Sunday.
1: No, absolutely. Um, I also wanted to say. I also wanted to say. That,
2: um, I think. To me, one of the things about the game, from a
1: neutral fan perspective, that I'm so excited for too, is it, it's just like, I mean, the. I mean, there's look, there's a lot of talk coming in about the defenses, but offenses are going to shine. I just want, I have a feeling too, we could see several big plays in the game. I mean, it's both teams are so explosive. They throw the ball down the field, and make explosive plays. And so we, I mean, this game could literally be the best game of all time if we see, like, four or five bombs. And it could definitely happen. Yeah.
0: You know? And it's funny you mentioned that because I, I, mean, I just... Tyree
1: Kill, right? He got 270 yards of right. receiving in the first quarter.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, on one hand, you have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey being thrown yeah. to by one Pat Mahomes. On the other hand, you have Tom Brady throwing to... Rob Gronkowski, yes, an old Rob Gronkowski, but Rob Gronkowski nonetheless. Uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. I mean, these are these are elite yeah. receivers. Yeah. And these. This is going to be, you know, should it live up to the hype, and should it not be one of those, you know, really just poor performances from both teams, which you know that would be uh, that's always a possibility. I mean, we talk about big games as as there's a potential for, you know, both teams to have, you know, I guess championship jitters. It's 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 hard to imagine that kind of scenario, but it's not impossible, obviously. And I guess I don't want to be the the rain cloud on it, but it's, you you can't really be all that certain. Um, And it's interesting you talk about Brady uh, with uh, with big plays because I'm looking at his Super Bowl stats right now. So he's a career completion percentage of 65.3% in the Super Bowl with 2,800 yards with 18 touchdowns and six picks. Uh, He's a 95.6 passer rating. 33 of his completions have gone for 20 plus yards. So it is okay. entirely possible that we're going to see at least three more.
1: Yeah. I mean, entirely or, possible. And I think it is entirely possible that those are great stats. So chose he can do it. And I also think, um, Kansas city is going to blitz a lot. They like to blitz. And mm-hmm. so I think that's going to open up some big plays if they can beat him. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that I just can't. I'm so fired up. I can't. I can't wait to see him bring the best. Take some shots out the field. Like that, he absolutely will. And he did last week. He to a fault, but he he did. So from a neutral fan's perspective, on I, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I don't know honestly. If in a fo- for a football game, I will ever be more excited. Like for a game in Arlington for a football game.
2: Well, yeah, well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just I I don't. Taking, like, the fandom, like, from a neutral fan perspective, I just don't know if you'll ever see a game that could or will be better in our lifetime, so.
0: Well, that's, from, from an objective perspective, yes, I totally agree with that. It's, it's, it's going to be really hard to beat this one. But from a fan's perspective, what if, say, for the purposes of argument, I mean, this is never going to happen, certainly in my lifetime. What if the Atlanta Falcons played the Cleveland Browns in the Super Bowl? Oh my gosh! That that would truly be, uh, for me personally, I can't speak for you because obviously you know.
2: It, yeah.
0: We're friends, but you'd want Cleveland to win. That's still a win-win scenario for for me personally. Oh. And okay. I, okay. I, I wouldn't be able to sleep knowing that one of the teams that I have a connection to is going to be happy, and one of those fan bases is going to be happy.
1: Yeah, that would be. That said, tragic. That would
0: be tragic. <laughs> that said, it's never going to happen. Not in my lifetime. Sorry. Wow. As much as I want to believe, Falcons give me no no reason to believe, ever. It's it's sad. It's sad being a Falcons fan these days.
3: I'll
1: say this. I'll say this. The NFC is kind of open, so they've got it. I mean, if they could ever get their act together, I mean, whoever yep. now it's like with the Chiefs, it's like it's going to be hard to ever beat them. But in the NFC, you have definitely got a path with.
0: Yeah. Well, the last two head coaches the Falcons have hired uh, were both defensive guys, and Mike Smith and Dan Quinn. So. You know, we've got an offensive coordinator who's yeah, you know he's a not- former lineman. So, and that's the thing that Matt Ryan has needed for the last few years is a line to protect him, so it doesn't get just obliterated every single game. You know, I, I talk about it. if if the Falcons can't beef up their line enough, Matt Ryan's going to play like one more season. Maybe he's going to be like, I can't take this anymore. You guys got to like, I can't I can't get hit like this every single game. Does he,
1: uh, no, for sure. Uh, does he want to be a Falcon for life, or does he think he wants to? Content.
0: I mean honestly he, it it depends what goes through his brain these days because you know he's already been an MVP uh he's played in a Super Bowl and you know he's making s- stupid money so a- at one point do you do you go as a professional athlete I want to win championships but as a human <laughs> being I want to make a lot of money and I want to be able to live comfortably for not only myself, but my family,
2: Mm -hmm. my
0: friends, you know, I want to, I want to take care of my people. So, you know, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of both. And I I think he would say, yeah, I'm here to win championships. You know, I want to bring a championship to Atlanta, but realistically, I, I just don't think, and this goes for every Atlanta sports team. This is not just the Falcons. I think there's a, there's a, there isn't a drive Win championships for the city. There's just I I don't know what it is, but you just get this strange (laughs) gut feeling that it's like people don't really care in Atlanta if you're not college football. It's it's sad, and it's kind of always been that way, but that's the reality we live in. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with it.
1: Yeah, no, I that surprises me when you say. I thought there's so much. Drive for them to win. They just maybe feel deflated.
0: <laughs> well, there was, and you know, say you have a twenty-five point lead in the Super Bowl, and you decide to not run the football.
1: Yeah, would ever Yeah, uh, what,
0: but, what, oh, I can't imagine what would have what what the outcome would be, especially when the opposition is uh, some guy named Tom Brady and Bill huh. be- <laughs> be- Belichick. Belli- she like I still can't understand Kyle Shanahan. That's the sad thing, though. He won't be able, he won't be able to uh, blow a Super Bowl.
1: The so. San Francisco is going to be favorites. I mean, definitely in contention next season. I mean, he could happen
3: again.
0: Yeah. That'd be nice. Watch him do it again and again and again and again. It'd be really nice to see him never win a ring. It'd be really, really nice. And the Falcons to win one. I mean, the inverse is I mean, going to happen, most also, likely.
1: He, you know, it's like he is a... An amazing
0: coach except for in the second half of Super Bowls. Yep. Like Hillary.
2: Yep. Like... That is so funny.
0: My brother put it best last year. He said uh in our group chat, Kyle Shanahan is a really good coach who is also really good at losing Super Bowls. <laughs> that's, and that's cool. You know, obviously you can't put Super Bowl fifty one on his shoulders, but as the architect of one of the most lethal offenses we've seen in the NFL, in you know, yeah. in the modern NFL, to to have it not be used the way it was the entire playoff run and the entire regular season is just baffling and it goes it's it's like Pep Guardiola's overthinking in big games. I mean, I think I I'd, I'd put Kyle Shanahan as the Pep Guardiola of of the NFL because we talk about tactically, we talk about the ability to to get a team to play a certain way and yeah. to be really successful, but yeah. in big games, it's just overthinking it and not really <laughs> you know trusting your instinct. It's, mm-hmm. it's overthinking it and going, okay, well, this is a big game, so I have to change I have to change the way yeah. we play for a big game rather than do what's been working well for us.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great analogy. I think that's a great analogy.
0: But <laughs> anyways, I don't want to spend too much time on this because do, I do want to talk about commercials, oddly enough, but first, what's prop good? bets. Prop bets, I think, are a lot of fun to oh, talk okay. about. You have a list of, what, 20 you want to talk about uh, on the show? Yeah,
1: about, tw- about 20, yeah.
0: All right, what do all you got
1: right, for so, us? On, all right, so... um. And uh, there are some other ones that are not on the list, but these are kind of uh, there now. I've looked extensively into all a lot of the prop bets. These were just common ones, but I looked extensively. I mean, you can bet on on literally like anything. Yeah. So it's so it's so interesting. Um, I and mean, even Tony Romo, what he's gonna wear. Um, <laughs> but um, all right. So I'm just gonna read them, and you say yes or no or over under. Okay. Quick answer. So yeah. Number one. Will Eric Church and Jasmine Sullivan sing the national anthem in less than two minutes?
2: No. I go yes. What will be the result of the opening coin toss, heads or tails? Heads.
1: Heads, Okay, tails never fails, but (laughs) I'll go heads. Will there be a score in the first five and a half minutes of the game? Yes. Okay, by score or a touchdown? Yes, yes. Okay. Will the score ever be tied after zero zero? 0 Yes. Will the jersey number of the player to score first be over or under 17.5? Oh, my God. <laughs> basically, to get it to tell you, basically every skill position player that's good except for Kelsey is under fifteen.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, what about Gronkowski, too?
1: Uh, Gronkowski and, is true.
0: And uh, Leonard Fournette, I think, is 28, right?
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, so, I, I would say... Evans catches by four.
0: Or it could most. be pick six. You never know. It, or, or a fumble. It, it, prop bets are hilarious. I love these. Um, I'm going to say uh, over.
1: Okay. Uh, what team will commit the first penalty?
2: Uh, Buccaneers. Bucks. okay. How many touchdowns will be scored? Over or under 6.5? Over. What will be the largest lead of the
1: game by either team? Over or under 14.5 points?
2: Over. Okay.
1: Um, what will the largest lead of the game... Or Sorry, how many total points will be scored in the first half?
0: Oh, my God. Uh, it's...
1: Over or under 27 point
0: Oh, over.
2: Uh, really? Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, will the weekends be wearing sunglasses when this first show and during the halftime film?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yes.
1: I... I don't think so. I'm just going full ridiculous. Put, I think he comes out and he puts him on. <laughs> it'll, it'll make him look so cool, bro. He's a cool dude.
0: I'm just going full uh, ridiculousness with these uh with these prop bets.
1: No, I think he's yeah. I mean bro, there there are ones that are way more crazy even. Um yeah. How many touchdown passes will be thrown by Patrick Mahomes? Over under two point five. Over. Okay. How many receiving yards will Tyree Kill have? Over under ninety point five.
0: Oh, way over.
1: I thought this one was easy. I don't know why. It's way
0: over. What's what's the uh, hold on? What are the odds of that one?
1: I don't know. I don't have the odds on me. Oh, got it. I think I think the thinking is that they're going to play kind of too deep and uh, you know try to shut him down. Yeah. And play about his own.
0: Yeah, but uh, you, you get him out in space on a screen and okay. he's gone. He's, dude, he he, he ran a four-two. Yeah. yeah, I mean he ran a four-two-nine forty. That's ridiculous.
1: Scotty Miller says he could beat him in a race,
0: though. Yeah. <sighs> uh. We'll these see. guys right. talking about how fast they are is it's it's always always entertaining.
1: You know, I really want them to race after the game. Yeah, <laughs> <team race. laughs> Yo, know, how awesome would that be?
2: Yeah.
1: Alright, here we go. Last last uh, ten, I think. Yeah. How many receiving yards will Rob Grunkowski have? Over under twenty eight point five. Over. Okay. How many Tampa Bay players will have a rushing attempt? Over under
2: three point five. Under. Will Tom Brady finish with at least one rushing yard? Yes. Um, over
1: under Tom Brady rush it, rushing attempts two point five
2: under okay how many interceptions will be thrown over one over under one point five over will there be a miss field goal yes or no yes
1: which team will score last bucks bucks will the total points scored be odd or even
0: <sighs> odd I I don't even know.
1: I, I'm going odd because
0: I'm yeah. thirty-four-thirty one. Uh um, I'll go odd.
2: Okay. Who wins the game?
0: Tampa Bay. I I hate I hate that I just said that because not only are they division rival the Falcons, but it's also Tom Brady. But yeah, I, I think I think Tampa? you can't bet against Tom Brady, period. Okay.
1: That's and, all I got. Uh, how, how many total points last one, how many total points will be scored?
0: Oh my god, I hate these. These always get me. I'm gonna go with uh I'm going to go with 77.
2: Whoa. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. So we're talking
1: like 42-38 or something like <laughs> Sorry, that. Yeah,
0: something crazy like that. Wow. It, it's going to be defense optional, and it's just going to okay. be passing like you wouldn't believe with just big plays left and right. Because it just it, it just has that sense that both teams are so explosive, particularly Kansas City, that it's like, uh, well, uh, I uh, hang on. Hang on. They're down yeah. 20 points. Nah, <laughs> more like zero.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it could definitely, it could definitely happen, bro. <laughs> yeah.
0: God. No, that was a lot of fun. I think I'm actually going to, I'm going to clip this bit and um, put it on a YouTube channel separately. So be on the lookout for that yeah, well, or even you know, on social. We're
1: having a family pool. So if you want to enter a family pool, you can uh, submit your answers if you want.
0: Yeah, I may I may have to take you up on that because I don't, I don't, I sure. think my family may have a pool, but there's, there's only four of us. So I don't, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know squares or prop bets uh squares i think not usually we don't usually do prop bets Uh as fun as prop bets are
2: all
0: right that was that was a lot of fun we need to do more of that in the show more like rapid fire
1: yeah yeah i agree rapid fire for sure
0: yeah um the last bit i want to mention on the super bowl is is obviously the bit that that gets the neutrals involved more more so than not and that's the commercials uh, it has nothing to do with the game altogether. It's it's not a sports thing, but I do want to talk about the commercials. Um, So the reason I included this is I want to get your sense on who do you think is going to have the best commercial. Not maybe the funniest or not maybe the most well-made commercial, just the just the best commercial.
1: Who do I think is going to have the best commercial?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, you know who I... I mean, there's a few that obviously come up. I got to tell you, I, I enjoy, I mean, the Bud Light commercials. Yeah. So I'm I'm going Bud Light every time they come on. They're not as frequent as like I don't know Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> but like whenever the Bud Light commercials come on, I really enjoy the Bud Light commercials.
0: <laughs> yep. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know you brought up Doritos. I'm gonna say it's Doritos. I don't think we've had like a a a Doritos commercial that knocks it that has knocked it out of the park in a couple of years. At least from what I remember. I mean my my memory's getting foggy with the with the Super Bowl specifically, just because of everything after Super Bowl Fifty One is a blur to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. Last year for me personally, it was the Smart Park commercial. Oh,
1: that like, was
0: awesome! The Smart yeah. Park commercial is my favorite Super That's Bowl commercial.
1: I, I remember.
0: It's, it's just it's so good. It's 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 talking about where you can park your car. Saugus, so Revere, the harbor is where you pack it and then unpack it. I mean, what are you what are you doing?
1: Was that a Hyundai?
0: Okay. Yeah, it was a it was a sonata. Joan Krasinski, Chris Evans, um Rachel, uh, what was her last name? I <laughs> can't remember her last name. <laughs> uh, and Big Poppy. Oh. Hey, you can't park there.
2: Big effort, big <laughs> smile. Um <laughs> that's uh
0: But yeah, Doritos you know, I think You know
1: what he said? They they asked him why it was in the commercial and he said I'm I'm in a good place. He's a good
0: place. Uh, he I mean he is. He's he's big poppy. He's he's retirement poppy. He's doing what he's doing.
1: For, for sure. For sure. I you know who I also like commercial zone? I mean there's a lot of good commercials, but for me I think that Reese's typically has some some good ones. Yeah. Reese's, like they they added puzzle up, but I I think they have some funny ones.
0: Yeah. I agree. Yeah,
1: for
0: sure. I think, I mean, I think recently they've had really good ads with a dude just, like, really sarcastically talking about eating, eating Reese's.
2: Yeah, I, I think
0: like I think they may have something along those lines up their sleeves, but I don't know. I just get the sense that Doritos is going to come out some, with something massive, because I, honestly, I haven't seen a whole lot of Doritos. Ad- I mean, I haven't watched a ton of football this year, but I haven't seen a whole lot of Doritos ads, so... It'll be I mean, interesting.
1: Me, I did watch a lot of football, and I personally did not see a lot. of
0: Yeah, so I think they're so, probably they're probably saving it up for the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, for sure. They seem like they're they're not a huge regular advertiser. More, they just save that money for the Super Bowl or something.
0: Yeah, and and <laughs> yeah. it's usually amazing because I, I guess it's you know it's the big game. People are watching it even though they're not football fans, and you know, is people getting I, snacks for for the big game? And you know, what's a common I'll, snack? Is
1: I'll, I'll tell you, Owen. Who? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, look, Doritos in terms of their fit for branding. I mean, people are eating lots of chips. Yep. They're trying to win the chip battle. I'll tell you who needs to really step up their game. Yeah. And I know they don't do I mean, I'll tell you what. I'm so sick of insurance company commercials. <laughs> they got to step up their game. Yeah. Like, just, if you're going to advertise and buy commercials, please just do some good commercials. Yep. I can't stand any more, like, Liberty Mutual commercials. <laughs> just, Please. Uh, Just, I don't want that little dinky Statue of Liberty in the background. Just do some, make us laugh.
0: Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And, okay. And... Well,
1: actually, let's and let's look real quick prop that right now. Okay. Yeah. Winner gets money here or or uh, uh some type of food. Um, if we can, if either one of us can guess who's going to be the very first Super Bowl commercial Ooh. after it begins. And I'm going to go, I'm going to actually say that it's going to be Mikko or Walter.
2: I'm going to say Ooh.
1: the very, after the game starts, not before the game, after the game starts, the first commercial break, it's going to be Mikko or Walter. Very first commercial.
0: Hmm. Interesting. What do you think? I'm going to go one we haven't mentioned yet. I'm yeah. going to go Tide.
2: Oh, Tide.
0: I'm going to say Tide. Yeah.
1: They do a couple. Yeah, they do a couple. Yeah. It?
0: And and they have these really, I think I can't remember when they started, but they had these really complex commercials. And at the end of it, it they go, "This is a Tide ad." Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, "What yeah. is this?" Yeah, um, I know they
1: should make it simpler. Yeah, maybe put a laundry machine.
0: Something along those lines. Yeah. No, I'm excited yeah. though. The commercials are, you know, people talk about like if they're not football fans, they'll say commercials are their favorite part. I like commercials regardless. Like. You know, I, I like the I like the yeah. game itself, but like I'm also like, you know, give me a oh. good commercial.
1: Oh, yeah. I, you know, I look forward all year to the commercials for the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, I, just, I cannot wait for the commercials.
0: Yeah, we got a we sure. got a good one on our hands this year, folks. So for
1: sure,
0: we'll uh, we'll have a recap of it for sure. We'll come back to the prop bets and the commercials and stuff. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll probably listen to this again and, and figure out what we get right and wrong and break down okay. on the uh, on the next episode. So be sure <laughs> well, to tune in for that. Uh, let's switch over to the other kind of football because we do have some stuff I want to talk about briefly. Um, there's a little bit of golf we need to get to as well. And, uh, you know, in the interest of keeping this under two hours, uh, I do want to, I do want to talk about this. So you wanted to put this, uh, on the premier league section when we had our little, our little powwow before recording, um, the title race specifically our Liverpool and the title race. You say yes. And I say No. So,
2: why do you say yes? Because it's it's happened. Um, Manchester City have
1: done it a few times, two or three times, where they've been behind like this. I'm sure it's happened more in history in the Premier League. Where teams come back, and not to be, and even that, say Man City wins their game in hand, they go ten points clear. You know, this is not the same. Manchester City team that they were. I don't really think... You know, Man City, the way they're playing, yeah, they're playing very well, but I don't think that any... I think that the quality of the play in the, the top tier teams is a little bit lower this year, and so you know, I don't have really faith in either of those teams to go on an extended run of dominance. I think they'll regress to the mean a little bit, and so it's definitely possible I would give them, you know, not a great chance, but a small chance, and yeah, I I definitely think it's premature to call it Liverpool drums.
0: Well, yeah, makes sense. So I I hear you when you say that, and particularly when you bring up City having that same thing happen to them because it, it was that was the case in twenty thirteen fourteen when they were trailing Liverpool the mm-hmm. entire season, and Liverpool just did a Liverpool. Um, you know, to me, it's Thinking one of those.
1: About also, um, do you remember? Um- yeah no, oh, go,
0: go on go on. No, I was just gonna say like I, I, I do I do think there is precedent for it and seven points. I mean yes, City have a game in hand, but seven points is not the end of the world. Uh, it, you know, it, yes, losing back to back games at Anfield is is massive for the just the team's general psyche. It, for me though, it's one of those things where <sighs> this season has for me personally, uh, as far as the league is concerned, Champions League is another story. Um, yeah, they, win they could theoretically still win the Champions League. But yeah. what, what I'd say is that the season was gone uh, after the Merseyside derby, the first one in, uh, in October when Van Dijk went down injured. Uh, Thiago got hurt for an extended period of time. And um, at Liverpool were denied three points by a VAR deciding to look at microscopic pixels uh, and mm-hmm. ruling that Sadio Mane's elbow was offside but you can't oh. score a goal with your arm. So well, I, yeah. Yeah. So, to me, Liverpool were, that day were not just robbed of the title or a chance at defending the title. They were robbed of uh, the health and safety of one of their, not just best players, but one of their leaders. And that is really deflating when you compound that with Joe Gomez's injury. And yeah. you talk about recently Fabinho missing time. And you talk about Tiago missing a lot of time. I think Tiago would have played a lot more and he'd, he'd be more in tune with, uh, with Liverpool's style and, and he'd be more accustomed to the system if he didn't miss all that time between COVID and Richarlison being a jackass. You know, it's, it's yeah. one of those things where, and I talked about this a little bit in the last show, but I think there is a, there is a time when referees or organizations like the Premier League, like the Premier League, excuse me, have to pronounce it properly. Um, have an agenda against certain teams, and it 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 feels like it's Liverpool yeah. this year because, yeah. I mean, yes, I've talked about the VAR in the Merseyside derby. Yeah, it was it was incremental, yes, but with um, with Son's goal or disallowed goal in the first game at Anfield against Tottenham. They took mm-hmm. I don't know how many how many different views of, of that instance and how many um, how many different angles and how long they took to figure out that he was onside or oh, sorry they didn't take very long but they but if Liverpool did the same thing they have to look at how many different angles and they have to spend hours trying to figure out if someone's elbow is onside or offside yeah. whereas with Son he scored a goal he he very may well have been offside but they didn't take any time to look at it, they just went, yeah, close enough. And, and to me, it, it just, you know, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but it's just like in the Merseyside derby. Yes, I get it. If a player's offside, you can't really judge that, but you also have to look at it holistically. Fabinho was given a yellow card earlier this year against Burnley. I mean, this was a couple of weeks ago against Burnley for something that happened after the halftime whistle, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it was potentially violent conduct. Right? Okay, that's fair. Whatever. In the Merseyside Derby, in a play that, was, that should have been dead because someone was offside, no one looked at whether or not Van, Jordan Pickford decided to destroy Van Dyke's ACL. And he did. And no one looked at it. And I'm like, what are you... Th- there is no logical explanation as to why they did not take a look at that and review it for serious endangerment of another player. You've shown that it doesn't matter what the whistle is. You've, you've already shown that to me. So, let's let's have some consistency. And it, it just goes down this path of yes, you know, okay, fine, you got your title Liverpool, now we're going we're gonna to be super harsh against you. It, it, it's just, it just feels like it's, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to say like a whole, oh, woe is me, because th- there have been, been days, like yesterday, uh, against Brighton, where Liverpool didn't deserve to win. They didn't deserve to win yesterday. It's, it, Brighton came in and they they didn't necessarily outplay but they they showed up ready to ready to play their style and impose their style on Liverpool and fair play they got the 3 points but yeah you know there've been other instances where just minor minor details have all gone against Liverpool and I shared with you all last episode the statistic that showed that Liverpool were the team hurt most by VAR decisions and that's not even taking into consideration the fact that David Cootie, on that day, during the Merseyside Derby, decided, no, it, this, this play never happened because someone was offside or this, there was yeah. a foul. You, you, have, you have to look at it. When you talk about a player, and the only reason is because Van Dyke didn't stay on the ground forever and he didn't have to be stretchered off. Van Dyke walked off his own power with a torn ACL. Meanwhile, Neymar would still be on the ground. So it's because a player decides to, to to be the mountain that he is, and to be physically tough that he doesn't, that he gets punished for it. Whereas someone decides to roll around and scream bloody murder for being tripped. I mean, let's like let's. I don't. I don't know if I even have words at this point to describe it beyond what I've already said. It's absurd.
1: Yeah. No. I. Oh, and I. I think what you said. I agree. And. Like you said it, right? It just seems like whether it's the rules being bad or it just seems like they've gotten some really unfortunate calls go against them, you know. It's yep. you're it's it's really unfortunate and those plays make a huge difference.
0: Yeah, and those you know? those That's those situations make or break a season and they make or break a title and defense. It,
1: and like you said, Owen, when it comes down to margins, like in soccer the games are so close. Like these games mad like these moments matter. Yep. you know yep, absolutely. I, I think as a fan, you have every right to be upset with the officiating and with the luck they've gotten. Yeah,
0: you know I mean, it, it really just started during the Merseyside Derby. If, if that play goes differently, and Everton go down to 10 men because Pickford deserved a red card for that, or Monet, even, okay, everything goes as, as planned, but they don't make the mistake with Monet's goal and they actually allow, or I think it was Henderson who, who eventually scored, but Mane was offside, whatever it was. The, everything gets, the, the whole complexion of the season is changed because they pick up two extra points from that point. They have momentum. They keep going. At that point, they were unbeaten at that point, I'm pretty sure. That was before, right before the Villa game. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, I get it. I'm crying over sour grapes. We're the defending champions. We, you know, the, got the damn gold patch on the on the shirt. But it's it's frustrating when it just feels like week in and week out. Like, what do we have to do to get you know like one penalty? Uh, I'm yeah, looking at you, Manchester United.
1: It's like it. it you're right. It, it feels like right. It feels like it's like those penalties. Some teams just get them in Liverpool. Does. We're going to talk no. about this
0: in a minute. But Man United getting a penalty in that game was just it was just blatant. Like the the, the PGMO made it abundantly clear who they support. Abundantly clear.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Never a penalty. Never. Yeah. Probably didn't give a penalty against uh, against Man United in the Liverpool game. Really surprised.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: God it drives me insane. And I know I know some of my friends who are United fans, you know who you are, uh, are gonna be giving me shit for this. But like do you blame me though? Like, do I have a point? Yeah, I I have a point. I have I have you the do. numbers. I have the receipts. you
1: Have every every right to feel
2: that way, huh?
0: Yeah. Well, I I'm glad I'm not being gaslit by uh by my co-host. That's that's always good. No, no, co-host no, no. And, and close personal friend. I firmly
2: friend. believe. Look,
1: people say don't complain about them, but the rally is on these calls decide games. Yep. So
2: they decide seasons.
1: Are, they decide seasons. And I think you've ever had to be absolutely mad because, like, they, like, whether we like to admit it or not, the reality is they, they make a big difference, like you laid out there. So, yeah, I, I completely agree.
0: Anyways, um, back to the, ti- the topic of the title race. I'm sorry, that whole rant was totally unplanned, but, it, you know, it is what know. it is. Um, title race. If Liverpool yeah. lose on Sunday, it's over. Fully over. I mean, I personally think it's over already, but if if City come come away from Anfield with three points, which I haven't won, I think since the early 2000s, what was it 2002? Last time they won at Anfield, 2001, whatever it was. Um, if they if Liverpool lose on on Sunday, then season's over. There's the you know focus on the Champions right League, top right four in time. Champions League. Hi. Uh, sh- mm, I think it's still over, but there's uh, you know still a possibility.
1: Sure. But it's okay. So here, oh, and here's the really interesting thing to me. Um, here, here's the thing, because like Liverpool could definitely win the Champions League still. i I have to be honest with you. Owen. I am not sure if there's a better chance. W- would you say Liverpool has a better chance of winning the league or dropping out of the top four? Because I also think as good as Liverpool is. There I there's every reason that they could stumble and not finish in the top.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think I'm more likely to when you
1: look at the look you know, when you look at the Premier League right now, you know, you would not you would not bet that Everton and West Ham would do it, but they're still there. But, you know, you've got Mourinho's team and you have a surge in Chelsea, which with the manager bump, I'm expecting to finish the season on a pretty high run of form. So, I mean, you know, I, there's, there's a chance that they could even drop out of the top four. Yeah, I there.
0: mean, on that point, I think they're more likely to, uh, to drop out of the top four than they are to win the title, honestly. Wow. Because just, you know, yes, the result against Tottenham and the result against West Ham, they were both, you know, really good, especially what the, the form had been before that. But against, against Brighton and against Burnley at home, I mean, yes, they were missing Allison and Mane uh, on um, yeah. yesterday's game. But it's just, there have been a lot more of those performances where you feel like the team is just slow and fatigued. And it, Pep Linders, the, um, the assistant coach, Klopp's uh, number two, he says this a lot uh, when he does press conferences sometimes. He says, uh, intensity is our identity. I have not seen the same Liverpool intensity at home consistently, especially against the top the bottom uh the bottom half of the table um, and it's wow. it's one of those things that it's worrying because those are games you have to win if you are champions, if you have aspirations to defend your title and you know just to be in the top four period, you have to win those games and maybe nick a point or two away from home against uh against the the big guys, the big boys, and you know. Try to get three points at home against them as well. It, it's one of those things that, you know, it, it just does not look good enough this year. It, I don't know what it is. It's if it's not the the front three misfiring, it's a lack of intensity. If it's a lack of intensity, or if it's not a lack of intensity, it's you know a marginal VAR decision or a marginal you know situation that goes against Liverpool. It sometimes you need luck to win championships and. Liverpool's luck has I think completely run out this year and you know to be fair the last two seasons have Liverpool has had so much good fortune um but it just for whatever reason it feels off this year and I said again I said it when Van Dijk went down injured the the league title defense is over when he went down injured so focus on Champions League you know at that point also the FA Cup but we're out of the FA Cup now as well so focus on um you know, focus on the Champions League. That's it. Two competitions. Wow. That's it. Okay. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's, um, that, that, I, I agree with what you said, Owen. I, yeah. I, um, it's, the signs right now are not great. No. You know, and, and what I would say, the thing that, you know, the thing that, to me, that worries me is not, like you said, maybe last podcast or two podcasts ago on camera, was like people talking about that this is like, clubs, end at Dortmund and the team you know how much in sports we overreact but what I would say is that there is some question as to whether Liverpool can consistently you know produce good results to end the year Um, it definitely can happen but it might not and I just think you know based upon the manager bump Chelsea are going to get from Tuchel I think that Liverpool to finish in the top four are going to have to you know have a good end of the season. And so, you know, they can't afford to, if they keep up this, where they, you know, win two, lose two, it's not, they're not going to finish in the top four.
0: No, I completely agree.
1: That's, you know, that's the, that's the thing.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. There's no, no disagreement from me whatsoever on that. I think the, the main thing for, for Liverpool from the, from here on out is just going to be pick up, pick up three points as often as you can. Don't worry about anything else. Just just make sure the performance levels try to stay consistent. But again, for whatever reason, this year has been, has been strange. And, and I'll put it down to two things. And I do want to talk about the, the Man United result again. Um, yeah, we sure. preface it a little bit. But I want to talk about two things really with Klopp. So number one is preseason. Klopp is notorious, especially at Liverpool, for having a grueling preseason. Every year since he took over, Liverpool have come firing out of the gates on opening day. West Ham, 2018, 4-0. 2019, Norwich, 4-1. This year, wow. Leeds, 4-3. Arsenal, 2016, 4-3. Watford, okay, Watford away, that was a kind of an aberration. It was, it was a sign of things to come that year. Uh, 3-3. Yeah. Yeah, so, to win all but one of their opening games on, on opening day, under Klopp, tells you one thing. It tells you that Klopp has his team sharp from day one, and it's really, it's really taxing. It's, he, he asks his players to run a lot, and that's... He does. Yes, you run a lot in, in soccer, in football, yeah. but Klopp, maybe more so than most managers. How does he get away with it? How does his team succeed? How do they not get burned out through the course of 38 games in the league, not to mention the FA Cup, EFL Cup, and Champions League? Well, Klopp takes his players to warm weather for training camp. Yeah, he, like takes like he takes his players yeah. to Spain. He takes his players to the South coast of France. Yeah,
2: He hasn't been able mm-hmm. to do
0: that this year. And that's the issue during those long layoffs where, you know, Liverpool have what eight day, eight to 10 days, days before games, they're mm-hmm. off in Spain training in warm weather. But COVID yeah. has changed that completely. And that's one of the key things for Klopp.
1: Sure. I think um, that's a great point on, I think that when you, and uh, honestly, like, just a multitude of factors, some in and some out of the control, but I think when you look at Liverpool, right, I think the key success under Klopp, which has had undone them this season, is just the heavy metal nature of their football, you know, how hard they play, and the defensive pressing. And when so I think when you factor in, like you said, just burnout slash fatigue, you can't go... Warm weather, lack of fans at Anfield, Van Dyke injury, um, you know, all kinds of other injuries all over the field. Uh it just makes it harder to keep up that defensive intensity and you know, I think like you said too, Owen, I mean I'm curious what you think, but it does feel like I mean, do you sense a little bit of a ability it does feel like they they don't have that um that uh, top energy that they do sometimes.
0: No. No, the energy isn't there this season for whatever reason. Uh, I don't, yeah. I hate to single him out because he's so young, but Alexander Arnold has not been anywhere near his, yeah. his standard this year. Uh, yeah. he, was, he was the one who lost Dan Byrne at the far post. I mean, yes, they were going to target him regardless because Dan Byrne's a six foot six fullback, which is absurd. That's tall for a center back, let alone a fullback. Yeah. Uh, they targeted Alexander Arnold all day and that was the the way that Brighton created their goal. Could that have been defended differently from on the other side as well? Yes, but Alexander Arnold has to pick up his man at the back post. He didn't do that. Uh, he was goal side, but not tight enough to uh, to Dan Byrne to at least put him off a little bit. Um, and and he, again, he just hasn't been the player he was last season. But to me, his makes the most sense. His dip in form makes sense because he's a scouser. He grew up right by... Liverpool's training uh, facility. He grew up hoping to follow in the footsteps of Stevie G and he, you know, he's on that trajectory right now. I think eventually he'll be captain uh, if he doesn't, you know, leave the club. Yeah. And yeah, no, he definitely. and won't. to me, you know, that, that can have a, such an emotional toll on you that, you know, to, to go and do it again is incredibly tough when you consider all the circumstances, the things you've gotten used to under your current manager, You know, I would cut him a bit of slack, but again, he just, you know, he's one of those players who just hasn't been, hasn't been the player that he has, uh, you know, kind of, that we've come to, come to know uh, in, in England.
2: Yeah, um, for sure.
1: It's a really, like you said, it's kind of, you'd expect it more, but it's a, it's a troubling sign. And, um, you know, I think there's always been some questions about Alexander Arnold's defensive issues. Yeah. So that part of it is, you know, not as surprising. I mean, sometimes when he gives the ball away, that's a little bit surprising. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, for Liverpool to reach their best, he has to definitely get back to a better level. So that, that's definitely something to watch for the, for the club. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. But you know, I used to be super excited about watching Liverpool over the last few seasons because it's like we're gonna, you know, the team's gonna play some heavy metal football. We're gonna have a good performance against a big club. Uh, we're gonna take care of the uh, the smaller clubs at home, and you know, we're gonna con- we're gonna compete for the title. This year, it's it's been more of a drag than anything. Um, I mean, I'm still gonna watch. I'm still, a, you know, I'm Liverpool ride or die, but just hasn't been the same this year. And you know, I've I, I believe that they're gonna get back to their very best next year. With a full preseason, I mean, you know, assuming the pandemic is under control and the Euros don't completely tax everybody. I hope, first and foremost, I hope the Netherlands don't rush Van Dyke back or they, they, don't, they don't tell Van Dyke to accelerate his recovery and end up hurting yeah. his ACL even further. That would be unfortunate because the Euros are this summer because of COVID. Um, but, you know, in a, in a world where Klopp is able to take his team on a full preseason, I have no, no doubts in my mind whatsoever that they're going to get back to being their absolute best. Yeah. No doubt whatsoever.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would agree. Uh, I would definitely agree with you. Um, I would say the the only concern that I do have is, you know, you do look at teams like, I mean, there are lots of teams around the world that really exhibit these traits, but if you want to stick with the Premier League, I mean, I think Tottenham under Pochettino are a really good example, where um, that heavy metal style of pressing, they just never really were the same in the last couple of years, you know? They were so high intensity winning the ball up the field. And you just wonder, like, do Liverpool have that I don't know what you call it, um, desire, lack of burnout, just the legs to just pick it up like where they were, like from that side. Because I've talked about the injuries are tough and without Van Dijk and the team, you've got to kind of drop off a little bit and it hurts your ability to press, but you know, they're just, no matter how you slice it, if they can't play a high line and win the ball high up the field, they're just not the same team. No. So that's my question is like, they'll always be a very good team, but to be a great team, they got to rediscover that energy.
0: No, totally agreed. Totally agreed. I that's that's the one thing that's missing this year, and I hope you know every part of me hopes it comes back sooner rather than later. Well, wow. um, okay. last last one on Liverpool before we go on to um, before we go on to uh, the rest of the results and then golf. Yeah, for it's it's just for me. It's one of those things where. The the comparison to Pochettino it, it makes sense and, and his his teams at Spurs they they make sense. Um, I would just argue that Liverpool is is different because the squad is better, the squad is yeah, deeper, absolutely. And the manager has actually been successful before. Pochettino yeah. didn't win a tr- he, he didn't win the league with Sociedad before going to uh, going sure. to Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Klopp won back to back Bundesliga's over Bayern Munich. Not just any club, but one of the most efficiently, monetarily, sa- like financially sound and just consistently dominant teams in Bayern Munich. Klopp mm-hmm. beat them twice in back-to-back years. Yes, there was a drop-off in his last season, but you know that's not just down to one thing. That's a that's a host of other issues. That's Bayern lose. That's Dortmund not being able to keep their best players, losing players like Götze on a free transfer, Lewandowski on a free transfer, uh, Royce never being healthy. It, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of different things. So Dortmund, you have to kind of look at separately from from the point that I'm making. You can't really put it's it's an apples to oranges comparison, in my personal opinion, in this case.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it, that's a pretty good, you know.
0: So uh, so yeah. So back on the point, I, I get the comparison to Pochettino, and that is that is a valid concern, and it's one that I'm definitely going to have in the back of my head over the next uh, you know season and a half or so. But realistically, I think Klopp has shown that he can adapt his team a little bit. He can. He's he's not as stubborn as he was when he came into the league. That kind of learned to be a little less intense through Here's, parts of yeah. through parts of yeah. games, but then all of a sudden, towards the end of it, the team picks up intensity for 20 minutes, and 20 minutes they score four yeah. goals. Sure. Uh, I, you know, for yeah. for 70 minutes they coast, and then they they kind of cruise or they they uh, yeah they they coast, and then they kick it into high gear at the end of the game.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with you on. I think. Um... They absolutely will have the ability to kick it in the higher at the end of the games, and they can absolutely like he's already. You can see now he's trying to tweak the systems and the and the players a little bit. So I, I have no doubt. I going into next season, I think you're going to see a Klopp that's very adaptable and kind of has a really good grasp of this and is going to make some tweaks. Yeah, potentially for
0: uh, sure. What? Well, sorry, one other thing. I I don't keep meaning to add to this, but there's these these thoughts on my team just keep coming up. Um. A full squad at Liverpool next season, given the you know assuming that say okay only say Wynalda leaves and there's only one less player, and everyone else is the same. You're looking at a defensive unit of Van Dyke, Joel Matip, Joe Gomez, uh, Ozan Kabak, Ben Davis, and Fabinho and Henderson if necessary, and then Rhys Williams and Nat Phillips. So that's yeah. nine potential center backs right there. Yeah. That, on paper, is a lot more... It helps you sleep a lot better if you're a Liverpool fan than Gomez, Matip, and Van Dyke. All of whom are injured. Fabinho's hurt, too. Let's go over the injuries for Liverpool really quickly for, for the Brighton game. It's not excusing them. They didn't show up. It, it's, it's not an excuse. But no Diego Jota, no Van Dyke and Gomez and Matip, obviously. No Allison, yeah. no Mane. That's, that's a pretty sizable... And talented uh, group yeah. of players that are all missing, and when you take that out of a team, those are those are some leaders too. I mean, Van Dyke yeah. isn't exactly just you know another another guy on the team who happens to be a good defender. He's one of the vocal leaders of this team. He's the guy barking at everyone from the back, He's like let's you know, guys, organize. What the hell are you doing?
1: Oh, do you? Can I bring up something that I think is interesting? Do yeah. you remember? Um, so to your point about all the injuries because they've had all over the squad, but in terms of center back. Do you remember, we did a podcast, and it was kind of early on, and I was saying Liverpool should have bought a – and I don't know if there, were – I was saying, remember, I, I was saying they should have bought a fourth center back? Yeah. And you were saying, oh, well, you know, the, the club's finances were like that, and maybe there's not an interaction, but I was like, you know, well, you could use one. Oh, I mean, I it was – by chance, but I did. I do look pretty good when I
0: said that. No, it it does look good, and I will give you that. You you do did have the benefit. I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I'll, you did you did make that call first. What I would say is that how yeah. many times do you have all three senior center backs have season ending injuries? Yeah, you know um, how how rare is that? I mean, I, I'd be curious what the odds are well, because I'm sure if you bet on it and it happened, you make a fortune. But
1: yeah, no, I mean. All three, that's something, but two is possible.
0: Yeah, two is possible, but all three at this point.
1: Because, like, like, let's be real, right? I mean, uh, Matip's always had injuries, and Gomez has had his injuries, too. And so Mm -hmm. Van Dijk was the one that you were surprised, but that can always happen. So from that perspective, it's, like, maybe not as crazy as you think.
0: Yeah, but then you add into the fact that both Fabinho and Henderson can play that role and play it pretty effectively. So Klopp's thinking is we have three senior center backs two defensive midfielders or um, you know, midfielders that can play in that position as cover. And then two young kids who we believe can be part of the future of the club and Nat Phillips and Reese Williams. So Klopp is not thinking we have three center backs. Klopp is thinking we have seven center backs. It just happens. It just so happens that of that yeah. group, you know, not adding Kabak and, and Davis, four of them are hurt.
2: Um,
1: was, um, But I I also just want to mention, and, you know, I, I know it's – I don't want to sound, you know, ridiculous. Um, and because I understand this is extremely nitpicking and so easy to say when it happens. But so remember, I think it was Southampton, right? When Remember when they lost the game and, and Danny Ings kind of flipped the ball on yep. the left yep. side? I think that one of the things about being a defender, man, And I just I know this from experience is it's like you can have really good you can have really good moments as a defender, but it it kills you when you have mistakes and loud goals. Yep. It doesn't matter if you're sloppy on the passes. It doesn't matter if you're defending, you know, you let people kinda get in behind and you have to make a tackle or you know, you get up up a corner or they look threatening. You know, I I think that there are moments as a defender where having a true defender helps and they understand yep. those things and I, it, look he is immune for himself but I mean I don't know I'm just saying the goal against Southampton like that's the kind of goal where if I had someone like Lovren I think you know th- there are just certain things as a defender it's just you know what to do and so I don't know I I I think I know it's hindsight yeah but my point is that you can be great 90% of the time as a defender, but it's those 10% where you really got to mm-hmm. know what to
0: do. Yep. Yep. It's, so that, that's, so that,
2: that's you know, the-
0: we can talk about this later, of course, but you know, it's like in golf. It's not how good is your good. It's how bad is your bad. I mean, yes, your yeah. good needs to be up there with the best to be the best, but it's minimizing the bad. That's what yep. separates, you know, good from great from world-class. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's a benefit of hindsight, but, you know, I think next year, realistically speaking, uh, you know, holding, you know, knock on wood, obviously, and you know, wrapping the new center backs in bubble wrap over the summer, um, Klopp will have a good a good group of defenders to work with next season. I wouldn't be surprised if they went out in the summer and got someone. Um, I think Kabak is probably going to end up staying. Uh, I think Klopp has heard enough about him, and I think he's seen enough to know okay. that. This is someone that they wanna they wanna sign permanently, and I think his performances may not be great out of the gate because he's they're gonna be rushed into action. Don't make no mistake, Davis and Kabak are gonna be rushed in. They yeah. may not say it, but one of them is gonna start against Man City for sure, if Probably not both.
1: Kabak. I would imagine Kabak.
0: Uh, Davis made the made the bench against uh, Brighton yesterday. He so that's, that's true. Okay. You know, okay. I, I'd be surprised, but anyways, uh, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but you know, yeah, the whole. Should he show, uh, shouldn't he sign more center backs thing we talked about a few weeks ago? It makes sense. And the benefit of hindsight always helps, but you did make a really good point, And I, I do want to acknowledge that.
1: Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, no, I just, you no, know, it, it, it's, I, I, it's, it's one of those things though. And it's like, um, you know what it's like, it's like having a third string quarterback. It's like mm-hmm. having, uh, a good, uh, you know, an emergency catcher, like yep. a good emergency yep. catcher. Right. It's just there are certain things you kind of take for granted when you look at the team sheet, but for me, like that I'm being honest. Like at the time it really stood out. Not because look, you never really think that's a big deal, but it's just one of those things where it's just like as a precaution, teams usually have that. You know, they usually have three quarterbacks on their roster.
0: Yeah. And it's it's funny, there's there's sorry, there's also another example in baseball in twenty thirteen with the Red Sox. They acquired three closers that year. Three Three pitchers <laughs> that would eventually be the closer. Oh, geez. Andrew Bailey didn't pan out. Joel Hanrahan, awful, got hurt. Andrew Bailey also got hurt, I think. Uh, and then Koji Ohara was one of the most dominant closers in the postseason and, and throughout the season. So, yes, it, it, having, having cover uh, more than you think you need is always helpful. I mean, it, wow. it never hurts. But the one thing also is between Kabak and Davis, Liverpool spent, I think, one and a half to two million pounds.
2: Yeah. I
0: think it was a million up front. Total. Between two not of them. Much
2: at all.
0: So that's that's what I think is is the 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 stumbling block for for Liverpool right now is, is John Henry and FSG deciding that it's you know it's not in the club's best interest to to you know be Manchester City and and drop a lot of money because, you know, John Henry has the money. That's, let's make no mistake. It's not yeah. because he's broke. He has money. It's and just I, the, you know, it's being stingy yeah, with it.
1: They're in a tough situation though, right? Because it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, you're right, they have the money. But the thing is, like you said, they have so many center backs. And if you're Liverpool, you're thinking, we don't need to buy more because next season we're going to promote some of these other, you know, young guys yeah. or get, get our players back from injury. But exactly. at the same time, you're looking at it and you're like, well, we're going to lose a lot of money if we don't make the Champions League. So it's like, it's like you're, it's like a double edged sword.
0: It is very much so. So so
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. for sure. I do want to mention the other, we do want to talk about the other Premier League results before we talk about golf. There's an interesting little bit on the distance report and uh, rules uh, issues, if you will. Um, Yeah. Manchester United, we talked about this earlier, beating Southampton nine nil. Yeah. Two things happened. Very Manchester United like one, they got a penalty Two, Dan James scored in uh, garbage time. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's harsh on Southampton they had nine men at one point um, Yeah, X red card got rescinded or got uh, successfully overturned so he'll Annoyer. be available for the next game um, not I, who would have thought that you know a manager that, that we talk about so highly in, in Hassenhuddle, the job he's done at Southampton Yeah. back to back seasons they've lost 9-0 nine,
1: I don't get it. I just don't. It's, get it's it. bizarre. But they're, they're still. Good teams, so I, yeah. Yeah, I...
0: At one point, uh, we were I, talking I, about them. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no. I just, I like said, I said, I don't get it. I just don't understand. No, I don't I don't have an answer for
0: it. Yeah. And who would have thought we were talking about Southampton as being a fringe contender for the top four and a contender for yeah. the Europa League spots? But now we're talking about uh, can they stay in the league?
1: I mean, look, let's be honest. They
0: it's one game, are... sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, they they were right there around top four or five until recently. I mean, I wouldn't say that our Europa League spot is still out of the question.
0: Yeah, um, I mean sure. it's it's one result. It's not gonna make or break your season at this point. Um but it, it does hurt. It bruises your ego a lot. And so the players turning up to training the next day, they just kind of look at each other and go, well, uh, that happened. Or that didn't yeah. happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I don't know how it happens. I don't know how you... But then again, remember, I mean, Liverpool lost 7-2, right?
2: So, yeah, that's true. It, I guess
1: on those days, a confluence of factors can make it, you know, it just get out of hand, right?
0: Yeah, and United lost what six to one.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's right against the uh, against uh, Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham. Yeah, yep.
0: at home. So, sure, you know, it's yeah,
1: no, that that's um, yeah, it's it's equally shock, e- very very shocking. Yeah, I, I would say.
0: I-, I think a lot of people were saying that without fans in the stadium, defending would be a lot harder because it you know the fans kind of give you that extra adrenaline, that that energy boost. And I, th- I think it's a lot harder this year for teams to defend, for whatever reason.
1: That's that's you know that's very possible. That, uh, that's very it, it possible. might
0: it might just be extrapolating on on a thought, but uh, you know, just it's, something something to keep in mind.
1: No, definitely. I think. Oh, I think I, like yeah, I think no fans has a really big impact, like you said, from a defensive standpoint. You having that like it's so much easier also to score. I think when you have no fans, just, you don't have the pressure of finishing. Yeah. Dude, I think about, I mean, we didn't even mention this, but, I mean, could it just be as simple as no fans at Enfield? Could that literally be the simplest it, answer?
0: Honestly, that could be, a, because that could be that could really, it. Because
1: if you really look at it, I mean, the key to Liverpool's success was obviously, I mean, just winning basically every game at Enfield.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yep.
1: That that you know,
0: that's a that big part be, of it, no, no of doubt. You know,
1: or, and when you think about it too, right, it's not just the win you know some draws as well
0: so, yep. you know exactly exactly
1: yep.
0: um tottenham nil Chelsea won this was uh, earlier today uh Willie, your thoughts on on Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel? it's only been three games, but yeah well what have you seen uh, what have you liked what have you not liked
1: yeah um well, i uh like the fact i look. the proof is always is always gonna come next year. I had no doubt when he came in, you're going to get a manager bump. So I'm not surprised at all by what Chelsea's doing, and I would not anticipate them really slowing down much anymore. I would say the system change, I kind of like, look, a lot of teams generally do well when they play back threes, honestly, and I think for a team like Chelsea, uh, yeah, so I think with Chelsea, I was never surprised that they were going to do well, I thought they were going to get a manager bump. I thought the players were going to work harder. Players were, New players were going to be given a chance. And I have no doubt that Chelsea is going to finish the season on a great run of form. Um, all the proof is going to come in next season. And I, am, I think one thing that does encourage me, like I said, is the system change. In general, I am a, a fan of back three. And I just think from a Chelsea perspective, the defense has gotten so much better. But at the end of the day, um, Chelsea had too much... Defensive issues to ever really feel comfortable. And so I think generally switching to back three really helps. And so for, that's what I'm very encouraged about um, is the, the defensive side. And, you know, keeping some clean sheets is a really good sign.
0: Yeah. Tuchel is a much better manager than I think he's given credit for sometimes. Um, you know, obviously... The Premier League is different, and Chelsea is not as we've as we've come to know. Chelsea is not the best club for managers who aren't uh, getting result after result out of their team. So it's going to be yeah. based on what kind of results he can get. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, Mourinho, for some reason, can't get Tottenham to defend. Mourinho's the kind of you know bus parking master, and for them to not defend properly or in the Mourinho way is uh, it's a little. A little worrying if you're a Spurs. Man. Owen,
1: let's let's get right to it. Is he washed?
0: Honestly, I think he is. A little bit.
1: I agree. I look, Owen, he's washed. <laughs> let's just say he's done. <laughs> in fact, Owen, this is this was no, I'm being dead serious. Yeah. This was the biggest game of his career. Like in terms of signalling he's washed. Wow. Like th- this is it. You look at this game. This was a huge, like, swing game for the top four. And more so than that, it was just kind of one of those where you could get momentum. Like, I'm just convinced Mourinho's time is going to come to an end. His style can't win unless. And I just think the psychological, he doesn't have it. He's older. He doesn't um, have the perfect situation. So, yeah, I think he's washed it it's done you can't you can't do it, it it's done i mean there's a little bit of a false sense of security right um yeah could t- could tottenham chantspertley he, he's done on and I, in fact when he's gone from tottenham whenever that is you think next season uh after next season i don't see him a big club offering him another job it's wow. so
0: that's it's a big shout but you know, it's not, it's not impossible. I mean, he's in his late 50s, so, you know, he could be thinking about uh, the big R word. Although, Wenger retired yeah. when he was in his late early 70s, no?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was, but.
0: Wenger was around forever.
1: Yeah. But the game has passed him has, has by.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's tough. It's the end of an era, really. Of the special one giving us uh, great yeah. sound bites and press and, conferences, and, I have to and be
1: honest, though yeah, I think he's the best manager of all time in soccer. Wow, but I also think he's washed. <laughs> so he's the washed goat.
0: It's the the washed up goat. Oh boy, yeah. we're gonna have to use that term in the group chat.
1: Washed king, like washed
0: goat. <laughs> washed king, washed goat. Yep. Um, speaking of the group chat, uh, yeah, Arsenal. Um, two red yeah. cards against Wolves, uh, Wolves two, Arsenal yeah. one, uh, the red card on David Luis was so harsh. It, yeah. It's I, I, honestly the, the commentator, the color commentator was like, yeah, this is going to get overturned. N- no way. This isn't overturned. And it didn't get overturned. And they're like, wait, what? I mean, he even, he was baffled.
1: It's because it's David Luis, bro.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's because, because it's because he has that reputation.
2: Yeah. It, you know? It, yeah.
0: But, sure. you know, it, it, referee is going to referee, I guess, or guess fail to referee.
1: <laughs> yeah, ref, remember, players win games, coaches lose games, referees ruin games.
0: Yep. Can't agree with you more. Um, the burned Leno red card was a little bit of, uh, like, what are you doing, bro? Allison, yeah. Allison had that happen last year. Um, actually, in, in the Brighton game at home last year, he got uh, he got sent off. Yeah. um so you know I, I i don't know what to think of it like leno is still a world-class goalkeeper and he's he is he will be still a world-class goalkeeper but this is just a sheer moment of madness and it really hurt the team
1: yeah okay
2: okay
0: and um, it, it also it's also bad that matt ryan no relation to the falcons matt ryan of course um it, it's it's kind of a shame that he is still injured because he's the other keeper on the team who has Premier League experience, and yeah. you know he'd slot slot in real nicely, uh, in in the event Leno can't play, you know, and yeah, it is what it is. I guess it's just a moment of madness. It it happens with goalkeepers occasionally. Um, goalkeepers are weird, man. We have to you have to be a weird weird person to play that position.
1: Yeah, uh, bro. Whoever wants to be a goalie, like it's like, bro, you play. You play soccer growing up. It's like, I'm. Just, you don't want someone to shoot at you. Yeah. It's just a weird, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Speaking from experience, if you get hit in the wrong place, it hurts for a long time.
1: Yeah, goalies should wear cups. I think they probably do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they need to wear like NFL style helmets too. It's crazy.
1: Oh, dude, seriously. Um, but, you know, I'm I, to be honest, I'm surprised they don't. Given all the talks about, um, you know, concussions yeah. stuff in soccer, yep. like you figure that is a possibility, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, as someone who I like, I thought I had a concussion once because um, I was I was playing goalkeeper in intramural and I, I took a I took a ball to the face that came off the post, so I didn't you know I didn't see it coming, literally, and it knocked the contact out of my eye. Um, and I thought for a second I was concussed, but uh, thankfully it wasn't. Um, you know, just
2: oh, wow. You you're okay?
0: Yeah, I was okay. No no problems. It took me a minute to get up, but you know it is what it is. I'm fine. I think mostly. <laughs>
1: i'm glad no i'm yeah I'm, I'm glad bro it was a scary okay. moment for
0: for a minute i was like oh my head kind of hurts but it was it all is. good okay i'm uh,
2: glad you're okay bro
0: yeah so thanks bro i appreciate that it was a while ago it was uh it was a good two years ago more than two years ago
2: mm. wow yeah Damn,
0: but huh? anyways um Let's move back to let's move on to golf because we have a couple things to talk about quickly before we get to hot takes and, and get out of here. This is definitely not going to be an under 2 hour episode, but we'll try our best mm-hmm. to run through this last bit yeah. quickly but efficiently. Uh we had a, a bit of an incident, Willie, at the weekend um with the Farmers Insurance yeah. open. Um so do uh, you want to you want to walk our our listeners what through what happened?
1: Yeah, and then I'll give you the floor yep. to uh, talk about what you think you sure. have. great but Yeah, so um Patrick Reed um hit a shot. I believe it was a second shot. Or yep. was it a two shot? It was yeah, a second, second shot. shot, yeah. He shakes a second shot in the left ruck. And, um, he goes over and he, he claimed his ball was embedded. But, um, and he said in his own words, he said, balls that bounce, uh, have something like almost no, ch- basically no chance, zero chance of, of being embedded. And he, searched for it, and and took relief himself. Um, but it turns out the ball was not embedded. And he also, I should say, he also, um, he didn't hold the ball like a lot of players. They hold the ball very clearly up, so he held it very down low. So there's the, the chance that he was kind of wiping the debris off the ball. So, so yeah, he but basically he uh, played a ball that was not embedded but took relief for an embedded ball.
0: Got it. Uh, and what was the other incident? Because there, there was one with Rory McIlroy as well.
1: Yeah. So uh, Rory McElroy, uh he he hit the ball. I believe it was on a second shot into the right rough on the fifteenth hole, and um, the ball was embedded. But uh, s- similar to Patrick Reed, he um, he took relief uh, without calling him. Uh, unlike Patrick Reed, actually, um, mm-hmm. he took relief without calling the rules official. and So there's a big controversy as to, he never even called the rules official. Like, did he do the same thing as Patrick Reed? But it turns out his ball was embedded and a volunteer stepped on his ball. And so that's how the ball bounced was embedded in the ground.
0: Got it. Yeah, I think you put it, you put it very well. And so here's the, here's the comment that I'll give on this, uh, on this situation. So with Rory, like you said, a volunteer stepped on his ball and under the rules of the game, if it's embedded, you're allowed to take relief. Uh, Rory determined that the ball is embedded. He removed it from the spot. He marked it, took a drop uh, within one club length of the spot where it was embedded and continued to play on his normal. His playing competitors were okay with it. Everything was, you know, everything was all good. With Patrick Reed, so You can obviously look up a video of this if you're interested. Just look up Patrick Reed Farmer's Insurance Open. What happens is Patrick Reed goes over and he asks the volunteer who saw his ball. Did it bounce? And I believe she said no. Or she's... Regardless of what she said. So he goes and finds his ball. And he removes it from the spot because he believes it to be embedded. And rather than putting it back and calling over a rules official, he removes it. And kind of, you know, looks to determine whether or not the ground, uh, the surface of the ground was uh, broken, whether he not, he broke the plane of the ground. Yeah. And he continually kind of messed around with where his ball was in the first place. And every single commentator on the CVS team, every single one of them said, that is By the letter, what you're supposed to do, how he did it, is very wrong. So, what you are supposed to do in that scenario, and I want to make this abundantly clear to those who don't follow golf, this is a completely arbitrary, it's a golf thing, it's weird. What you're supposed to do in that scenario is very simple. If you think your ball's embedded, but you're not sure, and you want to call over a rules official, you put the ball back immediately. You don't touch where it was, you don't do anything. You put the ball back as you found it, and you call someone over. You let the rules official... Determine whether or not it was actually bad. If you're not sure, maybe he calls over a playing competitor, have them take a look at it too. That's, that's the issue. And the other issue is Patrick Reed has a, he has a reputation on tour for adjusting his lie. If you will, um, Peter Costas on the no laying up podcast. Uh, I think it was earlier this year. He talked about how, when he was with CBS and he was on the course um, doing play by play, he saw Patrick Reed no less than six times change his lie. That goes against the primary rule of golf, which is you Whoa. have to play it as it lies. Yeah, six times. Look up that interview. It's, it's I think, February 2020 with um, it's Peter Costas with No Laying Up. Really good podcast. Um, he said no less than six times. It happened at the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas. It happened, yeah. uh, God, I don't even know where, but it, it, it has happened a fair few times to Patrick Reed in his career. He has that reputation, and that's why he's come under as much criticism as he has. He also didn't do it the right way, which is why the criticism is so warranted. Rory did it the right way. He went and believed it was embedded and it turns out he was right. Rory is on he's like on the rules committee or something. He's he's one of the key players behind playing the game as it is intended to be played by the letter of the law. So, with Patrick Reed, he just did something completely wrong and he 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 should know it he should know better but again this is a case of patrick reed playing you know playing dumb if you will and i don't think he's dumb i don't i think he knows exactly what he's doing but he he just refuses to 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 follow proper protocol that other touring professionals would follow as well is there cheating on tour i'm sure there is people have met yeah. professionals have mentioned yeah there's there, there's guys who who mess with their lie there's guys who cheat a little bit you know it happens it's It's a sport where you play for millions of dollars it's gonna happen, but again, this is someone who has been a known uh offender, if you will yeah. I like with David Luis if you have a reputation, people are gonna be looking at you through that sort of uh that sort of microscope
1: yeah no i I would agree I guess um what I would say right is like it it definitely you know it definitely looks bad. Uh, what happened, and, um, you know, Xander Shoffley's comment about, you know, the locker room talk supposedly wasn't great. Um, it goes to show you that, um, you know, there's a lot of guys their first conscious would be to to play, uh, you know, to call a rules official. That's, like, their first thing they do. We said most of the guys in board would do that. What I would say in this case was um, Patrick Reed definitely has a bad reputation. When you say Peter Costas, it's true. It's absolutely possible that Patrick Reed played fast and loose with the rules with the intent of really cheating. You know, it is also possible, the only thing I would say, right, is it is also possible that, you know, the Torrid did him. It is also possible that, you know, he did actually think the ball was embedded. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying he necessarily deserves the benefit of the doubt. But I will say is, you know, I don't think this was incredibly egregious compared to some of the other stuff he's done, no. given that the tour itself didn't even punish him and supposedly yep. he took and that's where they were saying, you know, it's like there's a difference between what the tour rules are versus you going above and beyond to ensure the integrity of the game—it's
2: yep, kind
0: of
1: somewhere exactly. in that grip,
0: right?
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So- you you just hit the nail on the head there when when you're talking about going above and beyond. So, golf is basically played—you know—without rules officials on you know the big stage. It's played through the honor system. It's in, it's a game of integrity. You keep your own score. You keep the score of your opponent. You basically are are self refereeing at the professional level. There's an increased scrutiny on you because you're playing for millions of dollars. There's more, there's millions of people watching you and there's going to be rules officials everywhere. So if there is something you are not sure about as a professional golfer, as a professional in any industry, you have a responsibility to make sure you are doing everything in your power to follow the letter of the law to not gain an unfair advantage. And yes, I get that the world doesn't work that way. I get that the world is unfair. But why it automatically makes this okay does not matter. It, 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 this is not okay. Patrick, both scenarios exist. He could have very well been following the rules exactly as they are written, and he did. Strictly speaking, he followed the rules. He made one mistake, though, and that's a costly mistake if you are a professional golfer and you know what the rules are. Mm-hmm. Every single analyst, Dottie Pepper, Frank Nabilo, Ian Baker, Finch, and Nick Fal- Sir Nick Faldo, all four of them agreed he messed up. All four yeah. of them agreed. If you are not sure if the ball is embedded, yeah. you do not pick the ball up and keep it in your hand. Yes, you're not allowed to clean it, and you're not allowed to, to do anything with it, but if you're not sure, what you do is you put it back, even at yeah. the amateur level. If you're not sure, you call over your, your playing competitor. You call over your friend. You call over your, you know, your playing partner. And you ask them, do you think this is embedded? And you make a, you make a decision that way. You don't, make, you don't get to make unilateral decisions and then just do what you think you want to do or what you think is okay and, and go from there. And that's the thing that drives me crazy about this. It's like, I get it. He has a reputation and he may have done things exactly the way they were supposed to be done. But there is a unwritten rule in golf, a, a, a sort of bit of integrity, if you will, That means there's one thing, uh, playing by the rules means one thing, going above and beyond the rules to make sure the integrity of the game is preserved is an entirely other thing. At the highest level, that is your uh, prerogative. or That's not your prerogative. That's your obligation. You have to do that. You have to go above and beyond. Because if you are not, you are potentially cheating someone else who has worked as hard, if not harder than you, Compete for millions of dollars. That's the issue. Yeah. So to me, this just is another instance of why I personally don't like Patrick Reed. I mean, there's there's a host of other reasons why I don't like him. But that's yeah, you know, it's just it's think, more fuel for the fire.
1: Yeah, I think Owen, oh, I think you hit the nail on the head, which is that your your conscience would think you you would be extra careful. Yep. But yep. even you can tell in the, you know. Doesn't mean he's a bad person, but you can tell in the press conference too, it didn't feel like there was much uh, ap- like emotion or apologies, or even if he didn't even mean to, to be wrong. Yep. It didn't, it, he was constantly, he never really apologized. So, you know, there's, uh, he is a fast and loose rules guy for sure. Yeah. It's, sure.
0: it's funny. You, you, uh, it's that thing people say when you talk about people who are guilty, they talk about how innocent they are. Or there's, I'm sure yeah. there's, there's some saying along those lines that people who are guilty j- spend all the time talking about how innocent they are. There's yeah, something along those lines. I don't know. But point being, Patrick yeah. Reed is a known uh, rule adjuster, if you will, in his career. And this is just another instance of that. He won by five shots, so it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I mean, does he Does he go on to to win that tournament if he you know, doesn't? Get to take relief from that if it's not an embedded ball and he's penalized by the tour, you know maybe who knows. But you know he won the tournament. is It is what it is. But it's just it's just another. It leaves a sour taste in your mouth if you're a golf fan. If you're if you're on the tour as well, like Xander Shoffley was saying, yeah, I don't I don't like I don't like what he did. I think he kind of kind of pisses all of us off. Um, Yeah, he has every right to you know he has a very valid point. Rory has a very valid point as well. Like everyone who who was critical of Patrick Reed has a point there.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with what you said on.
0: I want to talk about the distance report very, very quickly too, before we move on to, um, How before I we move on down. to the, uh, hot takes. So what was your initial reaction to the distance report?
1: Uh, well, I, you know, I had a complete one eighty, uh, you know, cause I think after Rory McIlroy's comments, I, completely side with them. And I get some people say limiting the distance helps the amateur golfers. But when he said what he said about it's affecting such a narrow margin and the how player, you know, recreational players want good golf clubs. I, I completely agree. I just think it's very dumb and, and the goal should be to grow the sport and not crack down on tour players. Cause really that's the threat to the sport is the mm-hmm. lack of enthusiasm yep. about the game. And that those are the people that you need to, uh, to benefit. And they, they represent the majority of your body. So
0: exactly when you
1: said that, I think it was. And when you said that, I, I agreed, but i never even thought about that.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. He took an angle that I haven't specifically, um, I haven't specifically thought about. And that's mainly because the whole time that you and I have been talking about, um, bifurcation, which is adjustment of the rules to compensate yeah. for the fact that the ball is, goes so far these days it it makes it 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 takes the the golf element out of the sport and makes it just a long drive contest um, he He brought up a really interesting point, and so for those who don 't know the distance report is a it was something that the u s g a the u s governing body and the r n a the um, kind of international governing body if you will uh mostly mostly england and scotland uh it's it was a report based uh, that looked at distances that golf balls are going these days and they found that, you know, hey, we maybe should limit the distance these balls are going. And Rory McElroy, who's you know, one of the most outspoken people uh, against, you know, limiting driving distance because he is he's one of the longest hitters on tour, uh, he's his point is that we're wasting resources trying to figure out how to limit manufacturers because Number one, manufacturers are so good at getting around any specific uh, requirements by golf's governing bodies. And number two, distance does not inherently mean success on tour. And I, I don't know how many people don't understand that at the USGA or the RNA, specifically at the USGA at the highest level. It doesn't make any sense. So yeah. let's, let's look at the last two winners on, on tour. I know it's a small sample size. Last two winners on tour, right? Patrick Reed, yeah. Siwoo Kim. Can you tell me uh, where they stand in driving distance?
2: Uh, they're below average. Exactly. Oh, yeah.
0: Two below average distance players on tour. One in back-to-back yeah. weeks. Who was in, in, um, in uh, Siwoo Kim's final pairing or final group? At the, A man, uh, at the Amex?
1: Oh, at the Amex.
0: Um, one in particular. Who
2: was
1: it? Song jae Nope. Uh, I don't know.
0: It was one by the name of Tony Finau. Tony oh. Finau is one of the longest hitters on he tour. Bombs, yeah.
2: he, he hits the ball a... The tempo.
0: Yeah. He hits yeah. the ball a mile. Did he win that yeah. week? No. You know why? Because who scored better. That's all there is to it. Until they make an 8,000-yard golf course, it's not going to matter. It's, it's just not. And even so, there's, there's ways to score on an 8,000-yard course if you're not a long hitter. Yes, it yes, yeah. It helps but it's not the entire game. And if you focus on that only at the highest level, you're going to lose so many people. Yeah, and golf no. has gotten so many more players through the pandemic, which is good for the sport. But ultimately it's yeah. again, like Rory said, it's a waste of resources.
1: And, and I'm no, totally I on board. Think, I think you said too, right? It's just like, you know, I, look, I, I was at the, uh, the driving range before I, I got this little back injury about a month and a half ago. And, like, I was like, seriously, I was like, I just want to be able to hit the ball farther. And I think that that's one of the things that intrigues you to, you know, come play golf It's just like, man, this is fun. It's fun to swing a club. Mm-hmm. It'll really take – and I want good equipment that's going to help me also hit the ball straight. So I, I want that. I, look, I, want, I don't mind the rebound effect. I, I want to be able to hit the ball a little ways. It's also going to speed the ball the game up because I can yep. hit the ball a little bit farther. it means I'll get through faster i i I absolutely agree with what you and and Rory say, which is that they're really looking at such a small fraction of of the of the population that plays golf, and that's if you want to build on it it's like that's not the way to do it
0: exactly yep he said point zero one percent, which is i I don't know what the number's accurate, but it's
1: I mean, it, it's, is. I mean, it you know illustrates what? his
0: point perfectly.
1: There's a, what, a, a I mean, on European Tour and the PJ Tour combined, what, 300 players?
0: and mm, then Maybe a little more than PGA that, yeah, but, yeah, something like that.
1: And, I mean, how many people play golf and you want more,
2: right? Like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it is.
1: Um, I, another point I do want to bring up, because I think it's really important. And to me, honestly, like, your recreational golf point is so important. To me though, this is the for me is the point that i I care about the most and I think is the the most ridiculous, which is that um now, look, I understand that if you roll back the ball or the clubs, the longest players will slowly along, but in no work industry ever like in anyone's job, I think do you ever limit? ability for someone to grow and have skills.
2: You never take that
1: away. And I get so like infuriated. And I'm being serious, like to me, like this in my opinion, this literally crosses the ethics line. Like for me, this is not just sports anymore when I when I make this point, because when a lot of people say the skills didn't take it out of the game. But those people, just like anyone else who Whatever they do to develop their skills, right? Like Dustin Johnson, like Tiger Woods, like Bryson DeChambeau, they put in so much time and money through lifting weights and working so hard in the gym. Like you listen to Bryson DeChambeau's, like Tim talk about his schedule. Like he bet, he does like he spends like like all day. Like he 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 gets mm-hmm. he he does works heavy hours. And so these people. My point is. These people, you anyone can use the clubs, and these people put in so much time to work on their bodies. That's a skill, too. Working out's a good skill. It's a part of every sport. It's arguably the biggest separator of athletes, period. So if you're going to roll back the clubs and in some ways diminish relatively the distance advantage and narrow the gap, it's just like – in. It's like I can. there's no equivalent in the rest of the world.
0: Nope.
1: So it's like it's within the rules. Anyone has the ability to spend their money and grow however they want, right? Yep. So it's like, I I don't know. I think that part ethically is just ridiculous because you say it's the word they use, skill. It's like you're making the game more skilled, but you're also taking away those guys who worked out. Also, by the way, who were able to hit the drive as well. Yep. Like, let's take it out. It's a skill to swing the driver and develop club head speed. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a skill, too.
2: Yep. And
1: exactly. So it's like, you know, and it's, yeah. And like you say, it's like, look, farmers Insurance Open, they made Tory Pines tough. That was yep. a really tough. That's what you got to do if you really want to do it. Just look, the PJ Tour is so hypocritical because they have the live under par slogan. And, they don't, They just don't want to put rough on the course. If you put rough, you know, it makes it a whole different game.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I want to wrap up the segment uh, on this one point because we've we've been going for about two and a half hours, and I, I want to I want to get to hot takes. Yeah. I'll leave you with this. So let's talk about um, let's talk about Tory Pines for a second. Tory Pines is roughly a seventy four ish hundred yard golf course, maybe a little more than that. For, for the professionals. It is a very hard golf course. Period. Yeah, Period.
2: Tory Pines has held US opens. Okay. And here's the other thing. They can make it harder. They can make every course harder.
0: They choose not to. And what they are what they are failing to do, and this is more the USGA and the RNA, they're failing to recognize that what is happening in golf right now, this kind of distance movement, is a result of the USGA and the RNA and the PGA Tour and the European Tour not doing enough to challenge players week in and week out. Because they're trying to grow the game. So they live literally by a double-edged sword. You either grow the game because you see guys go 20, 30 under par maybe. We're, we're going to see 30 under par before long for, for a four-day tournament, which is, out, yeah. which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, you you get tournaments not named the US Open where players are finishing over par for four days. And you're not growing the game. You're only retaining, you know, die hard golf fans. Mm-hmm. So they don't realize they are the they have created this problem themselves. This is not golf just being golf. This exactly. Is, exactly. Yes. Guys like Tiger Woods and John Daly, m- more so Tiger, changed the identity of golf. Sure. Distance is a, it's a helpful factor, sure. But you know what makes Tiger Woods great as well as not just the, able to ball, the ability to hit the ball 300 yards? It's being able to make clutch 40-footers when you need to. It's to get up and down to save par in a U.S. Open. That's the part yeah. of the game they're not. They're, they're for literally forgetting the most crucial part of the game, the part that every single professional without fail, without every single one of them, spends 75% of their time on or around the greens. Every single one of them from 125 yards in every single one of them. That that's just a fact. It doesn't matter how far you hit it. If you cannot get the ball in the hole in fewer strokes than everybody else in the tournament, you're not going to win period. Sorry. That's the way the game is.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're right on It's, it's, you're missing the point. If you think, if you keep focusing on this, ignore the fact
0: Exactly. Exactly. Distance is not the boogeyman. The boogeyman no. is, well, the boogeyman.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Anyways, I, I do want to get into hot takes. I only have one this week, and it's one I've actually, you know, I, I've been sitting okay. on this for a little bit, but I haven't really, uh, I haven't really let it out. Uh, That's true. It's Very straightforward. Uh, Xander Shoffley and Tony Finau win their first majors this year. Wow. Those are the two okay. guys taking a step forward.
2: Both
1: in the same year. Yep. Yep. Which uh, any say in which tournaments? They so were-
0: I think, Zan- think Shoffley going to win the Masters.
1: Okay.
0: And Finau is going to win the PGA.
1: Okay. Why do you, uh, why do you think they're going to uh, break out?
0: So the thing that's been holding Finau back in his career at this point has been uh, putting and his short game. But yeah. he completely changed his putting style this year. And it looks sure. a lot better than it has done in previous years. Uh, there are times where his stroke would would not look confident at all, and by confident stroke, it's basically there's no deceleration; it's a constant straight straight back and straight forward. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a good putting stroke. B now has had more of that this year than he has in years past. In years past, in in you know, in in crunch time in tournaments, he'd get a little jittery and and you know he'd maybe decel a couple times or lift his head up or. You know, lift his body up and cause him to push putts, or he'd pull them because he's trying to hit it too hard. Um, but I think I think he's in a good place right now with his with his um, with his putting mechanics, and you know, mentally, I think he's ready to to take that next step as a player. And I think he does it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say um, you're right. They were talking about last week how he changed his uh, putting stroke. Um, yep. I mean, I would say definitely. He has the ball striking and if he can just make some clutch putts, he absolutely has the ability to, you know, Shoffley is uh, at the majors does extremely well. He's always there. So that's, that's definitely That's definitely possible. Definitely possible. I would say I would feel more confident in Shoffley than Finau, but no, it's.
0: Yeah. And the thing with the thing with Shoffley, he's been knocking on the door, I think in the last two masters.
1: Uh, He has, I think two top fives, if I'm not mistaken. Um, which
0: is ridiculous. Yeah.
1: And I mean, Fina literally is knocking on the door every tournament.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every single week. It feels it's, like
1: uh, we could have a whole segment about that. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, there's interesting golf questions for sure. That, that's a great take on, I think. Um. I mean, it will, although I'm sure shelf would love to win uh, at his home course, you know, uh, yeah. the U S open. So yep,
0: that's true. That's true.
1: For sure. For sure. Uh, any more?
0: No. Nope, that's all I got this week.
1: All right. Oh, and I got two good ones, and I think the second one is the greatest hot take we've ever had. In oh,
0: oh, now that's a take in and of itself. All right, <laughs> it, so. What do you got for so us, the Will? Fir-
1: the first one is not this. I'm saving the best for last. Okay. All right. What do you got? The first one is actually a a very quick game. You can give me a yes or no. You can expand quickly if you want. Yeah. The segment is, uh, wa- is a uh, wash washer dry? Is a uh, washer dry.
0: So. Like is someone is someone washed or are they not washed?
1: Yes. Washed, okay. Got but it. It's called wash, wash or dry.
0: Wash or dry. Got it.
1: So I'm gonna give you five athletes. Yep. Across
2: a few sports.
0: Yep.
1: And uh, you're just gonna tell me, and you can expand or not. Yep. And I'll I'll rebut. Okay. Yep. Number one, Joey Votto. Washed. I agree.
2: Washed. Washed. Number two, Christoph Porzingis. Dry. Washed. Wow. Um, number three, Andrew Bentendi.
0: Dry. Dry. He, he's got some, Benny Biceps has got some, he's got some juice in the tank. He's, he's oh, like sure. 27. He's, no, he's, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's 26. He's going to turn 27 yeah. in the over the summer.
1: I know there's, I mean, he really struggled. Like, since yeah. last like last year and a half, he has struggled.
0: For yeah, sure. but I mean, who who had a good season in uh, twenty twenty for the Sox? Besides, I mean,
1: oh, and he was so bad. year. He, he was year.
0: like so
1: yeah. bad. Like he was, bad. he was pretty All bad. He was pretty bad. Two more. Yeah, and we could do we could do a whole segment on this stuff.
0: We um, should do more of this
1: for sure. Um, number okay. Uh, number four, Jordan Spieth. Dry. Wash. Oof. All right, number five. Uh, Gary Sanchez.
2: Washed. Dry.
0: Oof. Wash I'm, or dry. It's a new segment here on Hot Takes Only.
2: Yeah, we could say.
0: Oof.
2: All right. Here's my
1: last one. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm not just saying this, Owen. I'm sorry about the jinx, but I'm not just saying this. I I actually, like, so it's going to be five for five, and it could be, with the caveat, it could be four for four, depending on it. So, Here, and I'm sorry about the jinx, but so here's my take on the Atlanta Braves. They're going to go five for five, maybe four for four, depending on how free agency takes out. So here's what I mean by four for four. We're talking about in line with, I told you, I think they're going to win the World Series. I honestly believe that. And if they're going to win the World Series, I think they're, they're going to have a special year that requires a lot of individual special players happening at the same time. And so the Atlanta Braves, depending on how free agency will shake out, will set Four or five um, individual accolade records this season. So the caveat being if Marcelo Zuner resigns. So if he resigns, we'll go five for five, not four for four, meaning five for five. So, oh, soon if he signs with the Braves, he will leave the NLB in home run. Okay. But regardless of whether he signs, I'm going to also say no matter what, these four things are going to happen.
2: Okay. okay? Yeah.
1: Freddie Freeman. Is going to lead the league in batting average. So that's two. Marcellus will lead the league in home runs. Yeah. Freddie Freeman will lead the league in batting average. Mm-hmm. Ronald Acuna will win MVP. Ian Anderson will win Cy Young. And the Atlanta Braves will win the World Series. All
0: Jesus. You are picking the Bravos to steamroll this year.
1: I, I, and Owen, I'm just going to say this. I, I'm not picking them the 100 games. I think they'll win in the mid 90s. But I think they're going to be that good. And I think if they're going to be as good as I think, it's going to require them to be this good. And let me just say this, okay? Um, Ian Anderson, by uh, XCRA, the advanced that was the second-best pitcher last year. He has all the makings, whether he can do it over a full season. He has all the makings of Guy, obviously number one prospect, all the makings of that. It's definitely not a stretch to say Freeman and is going to win the lead batting average. And Acuna could win MVP absolutely well. Um, and so, yeah, I think all five are going to happen at the same time in one season.
0: Oof. I mean, so you're, you're getting my hopes up because I, I like the sound of all of these. But, again, hope is the single biggest killer if you root for any team that plays in the state of Georgia. This includes okay. the University of Georgia.
1: Well, Owen, let me ask you a question. Out of those five, rank from least to most likely to happen. Which
0: of those do you feel? Um, Acuna one, Freeman two. Okay. Um, Anderson three, Ozuna four, World Series five.
1: So you actually believe in Anderson can win a
0: Yeah, I do. I, I really, I do like what he, I, like I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I really like him as a pitcher. I, can he do it over a full season? We'll see. And he won't be the ace, which is great psychologically. It'll be Mike Soroka. You know, yeah. if he's uh, if he comes back from injury and Which is able be, to pitch,
1: that could be an amazing like just one two punch. They ride out the whole season. And don't forget about
0: Max Fried who is the de facto ace all season.
1: Yeah, he'll be three in the. Well, Freed beats two or three in the rotation. Freed yeah.
0: would probably be two. Okay. Anderson be Anderson be three.
1: To Start the season, they'll be three. By the end of the year, they'll enter. You know. Wow. Yeah, I mean, look, Anderson, dude, he has got uh, that curveball. He's a. Uh, he, like, uh, I read, um, and I mean, you can see it, you know, too, and you talk about it, but I think I read in an article that he had the lowest barrel rate of any any pitcher. Like, he gets guys swing and miss a lot, yeah. and they not, I mean, if they do, they're not, usually they're not making very good contact.
0: Yeah, he's got that filthy changeup, too, and yeah. bottom just drops out of it. So he's a classic 1-2 oh, yeah. pitcher.
1: Absolutely we got those those two big pitches. So yeah, no, yeah. I think I think those things. Uh, yeah, I think I think those things will happen for sure.
0: Well, I mean, it, it'd be fitting. It'd be a fitting way to honor uh, honor Hank Aaron by winning the World Series. It, it um, would. Um, I, and uh, again, I just don't see it happening.
1: And uh, this I will is... say this. I will say this. right?
0: Yeah.
1: I will, and it would be cool if any of these were. right. I'm not only this. Mark my words. I. Because I'm did this and I'm gonna stick with the pick, I have no capacity to change over the course of the season. So I already just named I already named my Cy Young, my World Series champion, my uh home run king, uh and uh my MVP.
2: Wow all right there. Yep.
1: And and uh batting title. I I just named you all them right there.
0: Yep. I so- would say on. Um, so just just just, just like, mark these mark these down somewhere. Yeah. Keep it safe.
1: Oh, uh, this will be one of the greatest takes if this, if all five of these things happen. That'll be one of the single greatest takes a commentator has ever given.
0: If if that happens, and I'll call it right now at eleven eighteen p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time on February fourth, twenty twenty one. If this happens, and I guarantee you it won't. Almost a gar- Well, it's not almost a guarantee, but you know what I mean if this happens, we are renaming this show Willie's Hot Takes. Period. We are renaming the show if that happens. You are the king of hot takes if that happens. But yeah. I got news for you, my friend. The show is called Hot Takes Only and that in and of itself was a take. The fact yeah, that you think, think this so. is the hottest take you've ever had, I think, I don't know, we've had some pretty good ones on this show. And it'd be, it'd be yeah. interesting, like a, like a you know season finale before we hit the summer and everything starts getting crazy um, where we P- compile all of our hot takes over the last you know 30 oh, episodes hear,
1: yeah a clip show a yeah clip show. A
0: and clip show. you know we go back yeah. and, and listen to our old uh our old takes and see who was right yeah. who was wrong and all that stuff so
1: yeah i mean um oh and i i agree and uh i'll say if this were if this if these odds were on the uh vegas market i'm guessing that you know it would uh good odds. Uh, pretty good uh,
0: hefty payout. Yeah. 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 Wow. I mean, I, I just can't. All of these are just such a shout because it looks like Bauer's going to be National League. Uh, Jacob Degrom is Jacob Degrom. Cindergard, uh, if he's healthy, maybe uh, Soroka and Freed. His, you know, Ian Anderson's teammates. Walker Bueller is Walker Bueller. Uh, Darvish, yeah. Snell.
1: I would say Sixto
0: Sanchez, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's so many names that could that could win Cy Young in the National League. Um, like Snell. Yeah, yeah, Snell, Darvish. Um, uh, yeah, I mean. Um, oh my god, dude, it's crazy! I cannot believe you came up with that take. That is that is some fire.
1: I, yeah, I think so.
0: Oh no, I oh. think it's gonna happen. Wow. Okay. Well. We'll, uh, we'll revisit this in October. You got
1: uh... to remember, Owen. You got to remember that uh, I'd love to look at this, but usually when you have a team that's like, you know, we're talking like around the best record in baseball, like yeah. a, a mid 90s win. I mean, usually you're going to get a lot of individual like brilliance, you know?
0: Yeah. Yep. So,
1: yeah, we'll see if Ozuna resigns, but.
0: I, I i don't think he will okay. I don't think he yeah I was reading before the show i I don't think he will just based on on his other suitors. I think Toronto was in there, and I think if Toronto is interested, that's too attractive to not to pass on that if they have a good enough offer for you, then that's an exciting exciting uh decision to make if you're ozuna I loved him in atlanta he he tore the cover off the ball in twenty twenty but yeah. yeah. Yeah, Knowing the okay. Braves, they'll, they'll take a flyer on another veteran power hitter, uh, give him a one-year deal with incentives, and it's have a big AAV, like an 18 to $20 million. Uh, he'll produce and then go off and sign a multi-year deal somewhere else. It's happened the last two seasons, so.
1: Yeah. Got to make it a trifecta. Yeah. Are there any good veterans on the uh, market?
0: Oof, we'd have to look at it. Um, I don't yeah, know. I don't even know if there's any free agent. I mean, Springer was like the only... Big bat on the market, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't and know. Lindor, I mean Lindor, kind of, but the Braves are never going to trade for him. They traded too much to get Dansby Swanson.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, they 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 get, but he he looks worth it.
0: Yeah, you know. we'll see. He, last year was the really the first year he started to come good after uh, you know years of a couple years of of uh, you know promise but no real signs
2: yeah
1: sure but so. it you know he's definitely your franchise shortstop yes he, he's yep he hasn't busted so
0: no not as of yet anyways
1: he they, they thought he might have but he has not
0: yeah okay. wow that is that is some way to end this show that is maybe one of the most controversial takes you've ever had um and you've had some you've had some good ones over the years so thank you, man. uh thank you. I, I i look forward to to what you can come up with next week uh we'll recap the Super Bowl, we'll talk about Premier League, we'll have an update on the title race. Premier uh City will probably fully assert their dominance as uh title winners this year. Um we'll talk uh you know we'll we'll keep we'll keep an eye on baseball, see, keep an eye on the uh, on the trade market, on the free agent market and see uh see what happens in the next week or so. So any okay. final thoughts before you get out of here, Willie? Uh
1: yeah. Quick question. Yes yep.
0: or no. Bryce Harper washed. Yes. Okay. Yep. Bryce Harper I washed. Would
1: say, I'd say yes.
0: Um, No, actually, wait, hold on. I kind of want to walk that back. I don't know. Ooh. Ooh. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to say yes for now. I'm going to say yes for now and be wrong. I don't I care. I think
2: we should, bro. I think we should do, seriously,
1: like a whole show based on, like, our players washed or not. And yeah. I mean, we could literally talk it for, like, 30 minutes about Bryce Harper and his career. Seriously.
0: But- maybe we'll have a a special uh yeah Yeah. a special summer edition of hot takes only
1: yeah man that'd be great we can revisit midway through the season and see how these things are looking
0: yeah we can probably do these as by like uh like tv seasons so we'll have a season finale in uh in may with the premier league uh finale and we'll we'll pick it up in uh in the fall with season one we'll have some stuff over the summer hopefully to uh to hold you over so you don't you don't miss us talking about sports for uh, a few months at a time
1: yeah, uh,
2: no, absolutely, bro. Absolutely.
0: Anyways, uh, this is about a three-hour episode, so uh, if you've made it this far, <laughs> congratulations. This is three hours of two dudes just yapping about sports. Um, we'll be sure to provide some some information as to uh, what, um, what the time codes are for different segments because there's a lot of different segments here. Uh, and you know I hope you yeah. all get to get a good sense of what we're about, what the show's about. If you liked it, be sure to drop a follow on uh, all the socials. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a brand-new social media page, so it's not just my stuff. Is going to be linked down there. Um, More to come on that soon. Um, But yeah, drop a follow. Uh, You can get this podcast anywhere. uh, You get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, anchor.fm, hot takes only. This has been episode 31. He's Willie. I'm Owen. We'll see you next time.
2: That was some show, man.